We the bestest cast with the left twist. Fat, barely well dressed. Put me on the guest list. The guest list. Uh, yeah, on the guest list. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen. We already recorded an intro, but I feel like we, we can't ignore this because it's not every day that one of us is in the fucking New York Post fighting John Cusack. So before we get into the, today's episode, we, we have David Basin, we have Robbie Fox here, we have great conversations, an amazing interview, but we have a true celebrity in our hands, Mr. David fucking Williams. <laughs> what the fuck, dude? Like, that's the, like, number one thing that... So all these fucking articles that are popping up, they're using my full name, my real name, which I don't hide. But they say it in like a condescending way as if I am trying to hide it. And that like it, it irks me, but it irks me because they think they're trying to they're, they think that they're irking me, but they're irking me for the wrong reasons. I don't know if that made sense or not. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. David Williams. Yeah. <laughs> White Sox like some, Dave, a.k.a. David Williams. Yeah, they treat you like you're a murderer. Like It should say, like, David Williams, 32, a cop. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, this is the fucking headline. And we could have easily put this episode out. We, we kind of alluded to it last night while it was happening in real time with Robbie. But the, the, the fucking today, I've had like 15 people text me being like, dude, are you seeing this shit? And I'm like, yeah, I'm seeing this shit 100%. And we're, me and Kenny and Dante are texting Dave this morning. Dave's like, guys, I literally can't keep up with my fucking I, I cannot keep It was a fucking, I've had a couple, like this is by far and not like on a different planet, but I've had a few moments where like, I can't keep up with my phone, like the Yankees rants and shit. This had over 2 million views in like a couple of hours. And the thing is, <laughs> I had I had no idea that it was like going viral in real time because I was so zeroed in on the game and like, you know, doing White Sox shit. It wasn't I got I got to the bar. The game lasted forever, lasted until probably we probably got to the bar around midnight. I left the bar at like one thirty, came home and I was so fucking beat. I just passed out, um, but I pounded a fuck ton of edibles and I woke up still high. And I was like looking at my phone, like, what the fuck is going on here? Cusack's coming at me still. I mean, I was like, but I was like antagonizing him a little bit when I got home and shit. But uh, like, it, it, this goes back a long time. Like, I started this ban list, and I'll just like give the TLDR on it. It's uh, it was a way for because the White Sox like they rebuilt, so they were losing on purpose more or less for the last five years. And finally they're good again uh, after starting from scratch. And when people were bitching about the white Sox in like 2017 and 18 and saying, this isn't going to work. This is a failure. I was like, you're fucking idiots. You don't have patience. Good things take time. If you bitch about the team now you're banned, you're not allowed to root from them when they're good. And that's exactly what fucking Cusack dude. So he would, he just completely abandoned the white Sox and he would go and root for the Cubs. Mm-hmm. which I don't care if you root for both teams, but you can't just bail on the team when they're bad and then hop on board when they're good again. Like I suffered through all those losses as did 99% of other White Sox fans. Like you have to suffer too. Otherwise, like we don't want to hear from you. Yep. I don't yeah, give a fuck I, who you are. Dude, I, I would, I, I'm not a huge sports guy. And so I was like, all right, let me see if I can understand this, you know, comparison. And then somebody was like, yeah, you can't be in New York and be a Mets and fucking Yankees fan. And no, not at all. Off in my head, and I'm from Florida. I'm like, you can't be a Gators and a Seminoles fan at the same time either. So, like, thank you. It makes Yo, sense to me. If because this is so funny that this happened today. Because 
in with you'll hear this later within the podcast me kenny and robbie were talking about if people don't get the barstool thing they are so against it and they, they don't try to understand it they just oh. read shit and move on dave this is the funniest fucking thing i've ever seen in my entire life because it's so authentically you and there's such like, there's no bullshit. But what people also don't understand is it's a fucking joke top to bottom. And John That's Cusack, it. John Cusack especially didn't get it at all. I cannot believe I just said the word. <laughs> Two points right there. One, yes, it is 1000% a joke. I don't care who you fucking root for. I don't care what games you go to, how you spend your money. That's your business. I'm calling out what I think is hypocrisy and what I think is bullshit. But in the end, you do you, and I'll make fun of it, but I don't, like, I can't actually tell you no. If you don't get that, then you're a moron. Was there more Number two, oh, like, Sorry, everybody that. on the planet was saying I was doing that for clicks. I got tapped on my shoulder when we were in line, like, five minutes before we got into the stadium, and saying, there's QSAT, and he's on the ban list. I didn't have any intention at all of even filming that interaction. I just bolted over there and I was like, hey, what you're doing is bullshit. If I was alone, I would have done that. If it was anybody else on the list, I would have done that. If it was a Tuesday afternoon day game and not like the biggest White Sox game in the last 15 years, I would have done that. It had zero shtick involved. It had zero to do with the clicks. The clicks were just like it happened to come organically and I didn't even intend for that to happen. Dude, you, you know the White Sox fucking game. Like, right? This isn't like you're like I don't like the way you talk about this fucking charity. You're like, dude, it's fucking White Sox. Like, what do you mean fucking? <laughs> it's, it's, that's all I give a shit about. That's like all right. I give a shit about. Dude, and oh. I gotta, say, I gotta say, like everything I've been seeing online is like, who won? Who won? Who won? And I figured it out. I figured it out. Dave won because the moment Cusack fucking cared at all. He Thank lost. You. you know what I mean? Like, bro, yes. he went off on Twitter and all this shit. He's talking to Bernie. He's still going. I know. He's still that's going. Like, that's why I'm like, you lost big time, bro. Like, you Dude, care. He knew exactly who I was because he because we've gotten into it on Twitter before. Um, and it's always and it's always been ball busting. Like, I don't give it. I like John Cusack's movies. Uh, Hot Tub Time Machine's a masterpiece. Great, great film. If you haven't seen it. It's fucking hilarious. I mean, he's not necessarily hilarious, you know, but he's not really intended to be. No. But I don't have any problem with John Cusack at all on any level. I think this is kind of a fucking corny way to, you know, celebrate fandom. At the same time, I'm not thinking about it constantly. But what I intended when I walked up to him is I'm like, hey, I'm the guy who has the band list. Like, you're banned. You can't be here right now. And it like he it, it took him a second to register. And once it clicked, he started chesting me up. And when he started doing the like little <laughs> finger jab into my chest, that's when I was rattled because I was like, oh, fuck, he's actually really pissed. And then he started asking me the trivia questions about the most random, random. motherfuckers. Alive. Like you, you could ask anybody at Barcelona. You could ask Carabas, like who's the uh, third baseman on the 1982. Right. Like he's not going to know off the top of his head. Nobody is. Nobody on the planet is. You know, unless you live in the cool era, which I didn't fucking know. <laughs> it's not so he's cool like, I know, like, motherfucker. I know this random player. It's like, OK, now I do. So I, I'll, I'll never forget the name Mike Squires. But um, I love the fact that you dropped Billy Squires in there, yeah, too. Just to be a jerk he, off. He, he had no fucking clue what I was talking about either. He's like, you fucking idiot. That's a singer, not a baseball player. I was like, you moron. Just do not get it. Just on a, on a on a fully existential level, all the in in the Barstool lexicon, all the blue check marks who jumped in to try and make this something bigger than it was, 
Fuck all the way off, dude. If you, if they don't get the joke, because it's all one running joke. Exactly. I think, the, I think the joke is Kenny's point. When you when you start to care and you take this shit seriously, you look like such a fucking dweeb. Fucking such a lost, dweeb, bro. Like like the only thing he should have wrote on Twitter is LOL, and then that's he would have won. You know, it would have been like I, it would have yeah. been game over. Yeah, he exactly. didn't even write anything. But that's that's the other like I when when I went up to him, I was expecting to like bust his balls and kind of yuck it up with them and be like, hey, like you know, congrats on finally making it back to the playoffs. Like, let's take a picture. Yeah, uh, I I had no intention of being like. And I, I don't think I got hostile with them, but like I had no intention of it turning that way. That's why I came off. I, I was like rattled one. Cause I was drunk <laughs> Two, because like, it was the exact opposite reaction. that I expect him to have. I thought he was just going to bust balls back, but he, he gave the double finger. But he cares. Bro, he bro, cares. What did he, bro. What did he call you? Like a boy. Uh, I rude, he called a him rude boy oh, a, foul, a foul boy, foul, foul boy, boy. <laughs> which is hilarious because that's what that's exactly what Eddie calls me, which is the funny part. So, oh, this but is it was, all artwork. This is all this is all one big song, man. This is fucking amazing. This is the best fucking thing that's ever happened. Yeah, yo, Kenny, congratulations, Dave. Congratulations, I'm proud of you, man. Girl, man. I'm proud God of you. Damn, Kenny, what's your oldest quote in the book? What's the, what's the thing you have? Any you have fucking sh- press is good press, son. And that's what some people were like. Oh, he fucking went up and said something and grabbed a phone, and now he's getting millions of clicks. And some of the other people responded, "It's the fucking internet, bro." <laughs> like, like yeah, welcome to the game, internet. son. Shut not up. to mention, not to mention the fact that now Cusack sitting on Twitter trying to make this a political thing somehow spun it into that. I don't know if anybody's been following along with the yeah. ramblings that have been going on, dude. If you it's don't like get Dave, the, Dave broken got brain, him. Got broken him. brain, you got, got him. You 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 have got put him. this man in a mental pretzel. That's when I checked out of the whole thing. I I had to mute the conversation because I had like a bunch of fucking deranged libs and a bunch of deranged <laughs> right wing people arguing in my mentions. I'm like, all right, fun's over. Like mute. Oh, you took something so innocent like sports. Bro, and then the Post, the New the, York, the New York Post, Post. <laughs> the New York Post. I. <laughs> What world are we living? The best part about all this is that none of this mattered to Dave because he just wanted to go to the fucking game. He that's it. That's, that's the funniest part about it is I completely forgot the entire thing happened until like the eighth inning when our social media guy Danny's like, "Hey, this post is starting to really do numbers." I'm like, "Oh, whatever. I don't care." Yeah, and then the when I woke up, up I I recorded Mush the line with Marty Mush, and it was like eight thirty a.m. and I like I said I was still fucked up from the night before. <laughs> And he's like, and he's asked me questions and it got to a point where he's like, do you realize how big of a story this is? I'm like, why is it a big story? He's like, go look at who's talking about it right now. Like Patricia Arquette, who just won a fucking best actress award. Uh, yeah. um, the, it was trending. It's still trending. Yeah, bro. And, you were the first thing on my fucking Twitter yeah. trending. Oh Dude, like God. when you were taking a shit and scrolling through Twitter this morning and you see my dumb ass with yeah. John Cusack, yep. like, what'd you think? Bro. Like, oh, fuck. I was laughing my fucking face off and I'm really, and then I read through everything and I'm like, Dave got him. (laughs) I put the, I put my fucking Apple watch on and the first like 10 texts were like, dude, are you seeing this shit? Like, what the fuck? How did this get like this? I just think it's amazing because to cap this entire thing off, we can go into our normal episode. Now this was supposed to be Dave's focus time focus. We told him, don't worry about being on the pod this week. Go handle your shit. This is a very important time for you with the white Sox. But I'm glad this happened for a specific reason because it's what I've said about Dave off camera. Has not, Dave doesn't know this shit. I say this to Kenny. I say it to anybody who asks me about Dave. Dave is 
the most honest fucking himself human being, and he's a fucking rider. He's a ride-or-die motherfucker. For things that he cares about, he is a ride-or-die motherfucker. And just blatantly honest, David, we fucking love you. I want you to know that. Thank you, guys. The the funniest part was when uh, it was this afternoon. My So my dad does not do the internet in any capacity. He's got an iPad that he can gamble on, and that's it. No computer, <laughs> no email address. He doesn't know how to log into his Apple ID or anything half the time, so he can't even use the iPad. But he doesn't follow anything like this. The internet is a, it's a, it's a different planet to him. And he's down in Tennessee right now. Cause him and my sister are looking to buy a couple acres for some stupid reason. in like rural Kenny's Tennessee, um, oh. I don't think they, I don't think you can do that in Tennessee. It's Tennessee very, people yeah, I don't love so weed, which is weird, but I, I digress. Continue. But, uh, he texts me. He's like, why did I just hear you got in a fist fight with John Cusack? And it was in like butchered <laughs> spelling. And I'm like, Bro, I did not get into a f- so that's I was gonna challenge him to rough and rowdy because that would have sold a billion pay per views. Easy. The the dude is a, a seventh degree black belt and like a, a world champion kickboxer apparently. Oh, so yeah. when I saw that, I was like, ah, never mind on that. You would know? have been even better press though if he fucking whooped you up a little bit. Just I just want to beat my fucking. I just want to say, say this though because I think this is really backfiring on John Cusack now because somebody dug up a couple of real bad tweets of his. And yeah, 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 that's true. yeah, yeah. Hey, you dig your own grave, dog. Yo, you fu- the moment you fucking started caring, Johnny boy, you lost. You lost, dude. You did. And if I've learned anything from you two motherfuckers. Stop caring so much. It could have been just a picture. It could have been a simple picture. Yuck it up. Go into the game. Never think about it twice. And then exactly the way, the way he reacted, though, is a man who knew he was in the wrong. That's exactly. The, that's, that's exactly it. He had that fucking Mike Squires random name drop like in his chamber like it was a gun ready to go because he knew he was going to get called out for it. Bro, he knew it. I'm in, a, I'm in a city with one team, but I can guarantee you if I was in a city with two teams, you pick one and you ride or die with it. You had a great quote in the video. Best part about being a sports fan is the misery followed by victory. You have to be miserable. I cried for four days when the Eagles won the Super Bowl because I watched my team fucking blow it for the first 26 years yep. of my life. That's why it was important. I can't run across town and do something else. I, I digress, David. We're going to let you go. Get back to the White Sox. We're going to fucking go into our regularly scheduled programming here. We do have an amazing interview with David Basin. We got Robbie Fox dropping knowledge. It's an amazing episode. But, David, we love you. Go bask in the viral glory. Congratulations. We the bestest. Cast with the left twist. Pat barely well-dressed. Put me on the guest list. The guest list. Uh, Yeah, on the guest list. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another week of On the Guest List with Foxtrot and the Get Down, White Sox, Dave, Kenny, Carkeet, and Dante. Once again, we are a little shorthanded this week. Dave is getting into fights with fucking John Cusack at the White Sox playoffs game. Uh, Dante is actually in Boston running the Boston Marathon with his sponsors, Rob Gronkowski. So there's a lot of high-profile shit going on here. So we had to have a new expert step in. We couldn't go a week without our barstool people. We got motherfucking Robbie Fox in the building. Robbie, how are you, babe? 
I'm doing well. It's a skeleton crew. And by that, I don't mean it's, you know, a short crew. I mean, I have the frame of a skeleton. So <laughs> right in time yeah. for Halloween, hey, we, got, uh, we got me in here. Yeah. yeah Rob, Robbie's <laughs> keeping it spooky. In here. We've, we've had a spooky theme. We had John Carpenter last week. We got Robbie the skeleton here today. And we have an amazing guest on this week. We have Mr. David Basin on. So we have not really yet, other than we've had one or two different industry folk in here. But we got a heavy hitter this week. Kenny was sweet enough to bring his manager, Mr. David Basin, on. Uh, David Basin, if you don't know, uh, he uh, was a tour manager at first, then he was an A&R, then he was a manager. He found the strokes, so we kind of have something to talk about to start there. But Kenny, you conducted the interview. This is the first interview in 117 episodes of this and the old version of the podcast that I missed the interview. I was at a wedding. Kenny, how the fuck did it go? All right, let me light this joint. <laughs> um, yeah. What a ball um, I can, Kenny is. <laughs> my man, I could tell you, Colin, not to shove roses up your fucking ass, but that shit's not easy, dude. I don't like talking. I'm not a big fan of like running an interview and keeping the conversation going. You like you heard the intro, which everybody will hear now. Like I tried my hardest to all right, everybody. <laughs> and I just couldn't fucking get it with a straight face. But yeah, dude, Basin like I was just telling you guys offline, Basin is one of those guys that everybody in the industry knows, every band, everybody knows him, and everybody respects the fuck out of him. He's a pit bull, he gets what he wants, he knows what's great, and like, just, it's hard to find that kind of person where like, no matter who you talk to, they're like, oh yeah, Basin's legit, Basin's awesome, like, that's the thing, and so to get his insight, man, I always felt was really helpful for our viewers. It was fun from my perspective to just listen and not know what was coming. So I'm kind of sitting in oh, true. Listen- yeah. I'm Yo. sitting in the listener's seat on this one. I was just Hey, how's this show from a listener perspective? Dude, it's awesome. Dude, we're really <laughs> fucking good at this. This was sick. And, but but so I will say before I get into any particulars, I just want to say this. So I have the raw zoom footage. So I hear what happened before the camera starts rolling. It starts. The camera clicks on, and I just hear Kenny go, he's a fucking lunatic, but we need him, so he's here. (laughs) And I was like, you motherfucker. But it was, you guys were very, very complimentary, and I appreciate that. I am a lunatic, and you do need me, so let's leave it at that. (laughs) But I I will say, man, yo, from a perspective of an artist in the industry who's constantly trying to answer questions as, what is going on here? What are managers and labels and radio people looking for? And Kenny, you asked an amazing question there what are you looking for in an artist? And I thought he was really transparent in the way that he was, he wasn't a numbers guy per se. He's more of a soul person. And I really appreciate that because you're not going to hear that from a lot of people nowadays. But David Basin gives a lot of game here. He's kicking fucking million dollars worth of games. Shouts out Gillian Wallow. He's out here throwing it around. And I I found it very informative. And Robbie, you had me on your podcast to ask me questions about songwriting. As someone who is a music lover and a prospective musician coming in with pop punk, you guys are taking shit more seriously now. You need to listen to this and 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 give this to your people too to say like, yo, this is the realest shit from a guy in the industry who, as Kenny said, everybody respects. So I cannot wait for you guys to hear this. This is going to be a packed episode. We got on list, off list, what the fuck we've been listening to, conversation about the new Oasis uh, concert movie that came out, which of course Robbie's going to get balls deep on, so I'm excited about that. (laughs) We got so much to give you guys this week. Let's start it out. Kick it to our host, Kenny Carkeet, for our interview with David Basin. All right, everybody. I can't even do it like Colin. That's the fucking worst. 
Hi, everybody, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to On the Guest List. This is Kenny Carkey. We don't have Colin today because he's at some lame wedding, but today we've got White Sox Dave from Barstool Sports and one of my best friends and my personal manager, David Basin. Hello, David. How are you today? I'm well, thank you. Thanks for Thanks having for coming me. on, man. Yeah, pleasure. All right, I got one question off the bat. Can you grade <laughs> Kenny on that introduction? Because I give him like uh, 1.2. Out of 10. Oh, we're doing the pitch for the point. Is the pitch? Yeah. I told you not to expect anything. 4.7. Okay. 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 That's because we're on the failing scale, but it's better than mine. (laughs) Do we re should we restart it, Dave? And do you want to do it? I I will give negative. I'm so (laughs) bad at this shit, even though I do it as a job, ironically enough. But, um, but I'd roll with it. I it's like so conversational fu- shit, you know? It's so funny how necessary Colin's stupid personality is to what we do because uh, just not that I guy. have said this to him, like, both on and off the record. Colin has gotten so – like, interviewing is definitely a skill. That and, I don't have. And a lot of people are, are born with that skill. Like, it's like you're born a good baseball player. You're born, born a – like, you can teach it to an extent, but, like, your natural abilities – or what put you over the top. And Colin's got that natural ability. He's really good at it. He's getting better at it too. So uh, for as much shit as we're giving him, like <laughs> I know we miss pretty it. good I do, at it. I do wish he was here, but David, David, David Basin. Thanks again for coming on. Um, I thought it'd be interesting as this podcast, we have so many bands and artists and composers on, we haven't had really any, and I hate to use this term, but industry friends come in to like, what happens behind the scene? How does, a, you know, the question I get, because I was in a fairly successful band, all the younger bands are like, how did you do it? Who did I talk to? Who do I hire? How do I find a manager? And I'm like, I don't fucking know any of these answers. And so I thought it'd be really cool to get your experience and insight on our cute little podcast today. Um, yeah, what can I do? Gee. I mean, do you know anything? Can you tell us everything? Uh, I, I mean, I don't know much. Um, you started though as A and R, right? Yeah, I mean, I started, but yeah. you did that for a long time. Yeah, well, I started as a tour manager, um, and then ended up in the in A and R. And who did you that. TM for? I was it was an indie band up in Canada called Treble Charger, and we were like, you know, van and trailer band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, through the Rockies in February, no heat. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Sounds sounds about right. And then what? And then when did you? And get then to I ended up in New York uh, working at RCA Records, and then uh, moved over to um, Roadrunner for a long time. And um, I, I did A and R for I don't know a dozen years or so, and then um, got into management, moved out to LA, and I've been out here for like I don't uh, ten or eleven years now. What do you How like? You hate LA. LA? Shut up. I love LA. I don't, I don't get, I don't, what's the problem? I love it. It's New York and LA. I've never been to LA. I was actually, I had a layover heading to Vegas on New Year's. Well, that's my, I've, I've actually heard a lot of people shit talk LA that like live in LA, but um, you get, people have city pride in where they're from, especially if you're from Chicago, like you're, you're, which is where I'm from. You, you're really serious about it. So I like to bust balls. I have to head out to New York next week. I am not looking forward to it, but I mean, all all those cities, like they all, they, they all have a lot of great shit going on about them. 
But at the same time, I won't ever admit to any of that. But you and love I'll Chicago. Shit talk them nonstop. I actually, I can't wait to get the fuck out of here eventually. What do you but, want to move um, to a farm? I. If I like won the Powerball tomorrow, you guys would never hear from me again. I would be <laughs> yeah, yeah, off same, the same. fucking grid. I would be like on a ranch in Montana tending to livestock, and I would be like, "Fuck all of you, middle fingers up." Livestock Dave, that'd be your new name from White Sox Dave <laughs> to Livestock Dave. There you go, perfect. <laughs> oh my god, that's so funny, Basin. You want to hear yeah. something crazy? So I've known you for a lot of years. Yeah. You've been in charge of my musical life for a lot of years. Yeah. I had no idea, A, that you even had a fucking Wikipedia page, which is fucking pretty tight, especially as a manager, mm-hmm. let alone some of the facts that I learned on there. Like, it says you signed the strokes. Is that a fucking true story? It's, it's yeah, I mean, it's a... Don't be modest. Yeah, there's no room for modesty on this show. I'm Canadian. I will be as modest as I want. Thank you. <laughs> modest. <laughs> um, yeah, it was weird. I was recording... Cause I, cause I, I like to play music too. So I was recording music in New York, uh, which I think is the best town on the planet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, uh, I was recording just down the street from me with my friend Gordon and I was playing a song and he was like, man, you really like the velvet underground a lot, don't you? And I was like, yeah, they're the best band ever. And he goes, you should hear these kids I'm recording. They're like, I think they like what you like. And they, he played me and it was the strokes demos. And then I just went on a. What year was this? Like 2000. Yeah. 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 And then what you just, you, you believed in them and started fighting for them. Yeah. But I was like, so junior, I was working at RCA and I was so junior that I couldn't get anything done by myself. So I had to go on a, like uh, a political uh, campaign to get, you know, a senior guy to, Right. To like bring people uh, in on it. Yeah. Yeah. So it took, it took like, it basically took like six weeks of me playing these, like everything was on a CD back then. So it was like, I had a three song CD. <laughs> I still have in my drawer and I just played yeah. it on repeat for eight hours a day. And after about, you know, five, six weeks, the one dude was like, okay, fuck it. Just, you've worn me down. I'm in, let's go get this thing. And then, <laughs> By then, it had, I mean, it had gotten really competitive at that point. I was going to say, was there a battle? Yeah, it was like a million-dollar deal back in the day. But it was like, um, you know, when I first went to see them, there were five people in the room. And then it was the it was really strange. It was like from, from like zero to 100, like kind of overnight. And then by the time it landed at RCA, it was like the biggest deal of the year. And... Um, you know, and then of course, like all the funny stuff happens, all the industry sort of stuff, and they're like, "Basin, you're the guy!" Like everyone's <laughs> everyone's pointing, "You're the guy! You're the guy!" And then, uh, you know, I got given a check and a pat on the back, and a you know, go back to your cubicle, and yeah, yeah. you know, you're allowed to call yourself the guy. <laughs> did that? Um, and it was, that was it. Then the, the circus left town. <laughs> did you? Did you think that? <laughs> making that big of a score would uh, further your, would like benefit you in like the career aspect of like further you and open a lot of doors. And second part of the question is, did it tangibly? Yeah. But I, I think no matter what you aim for, no matter what you aim for, it's not where you end up. Right. Yeah. So I thought, I thought, well, immediately I'll get out of this cubicle and into an office and they'll give me like a little stripe or a, <laughs> metal or something or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, 
what ended up happening is um, another company came along and offered me to like run their entire publishing company. What company was that? Roadrunner. Which is strangely one of my favorite labels. Yeah, so I, I, I was forced with a decision which is either stay where you're at and feel a little bit overlooked or go, you know, go to this other place and, and take a job which wasn't what you were aiming for, but seems like a, like a step up. Were you aiming for ANR? Was that like the goal at that yeah. time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it took me, it took me another four years at Roadrunner for them to say like, okay, you were born to make records, yeah. stop making publishing deals, make yeah. records for us. And then I made a bunch of records for them. And then, do you, you know, like, I, do you, do you like or hate that you did publishing for a while or are you indifferent to it? Cause I'm curious, cause from an artist side and <laughs> this is why Dave, I have Basin because that <laughs> shit is so complicated I don't understand it. Every time Basin asks me a question, I'm like, it's whatever you want. You tell me. Like, if you want me to do yeah, that, I don't care. Right? I trust your opinion, you know? And so, like, it's so hard. It leaves me a little cold, frankly. Yeah. yeah. I like making records. Hard not to. Or, or, you know, like, I like, I like what comes across my plate as a manager because there's, like, you know, talk to this video game company. Go do this radio thing. Hey, there's a tour that needs setting up put a crew together, make a record, like everything, you know? So you got your hand in a bunch of different. Yeah. Like like verticals, we'll call it. Yeah, absolutely. Across everything. And then publishing to me was just like, you could set up a co-write or, you know, if you were really, if you're really analytic, you could, you know, Count pennies and God, whatever. Here's my question for you. So there, there are fantastic, fantastic publishers out there. I'm just not one of them. You know what I mean? (laughs) Some people are necessary. You know, Dave, what you were saying is some people were born to do a certain Mm -hmm. job. Some people are like, I know phenomenal publishers. Of course. Yeah. And I love them. And they're so great at what they do. Not my forte, you know, wasn't for you. Right. Yeah. And you know, I, I'm the, I was the guy who like, I can kind of get along with bands yeah, and, yeah. and I can kind of, you know, I can speak business talk. So that's like my, that's my, that's my lane is, is, you know, being, being a band guy and then being able to talk to business people as well. And <laughs> um, I remember I was at this publishing company and we had just landed this big client and they're like, Basin. You're the guy. You're the guy. You're the Don't guy. Yeah. But you're going to Germany. I'm like, oh, cool. When? Tonight. <laughs> I'm like, okay. What am I doing? You're gonna go meet the new client. I'm like, okay, great. And 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 it was just like, yeah. So go to LAX. I'm like, go to LAX. I'm like the fucking middle seat in economy overnight from LA yeah. from oh, LA Frankfurt. Like they just got like whatever. Last yeah. minute ass ticket was left. <laughs> Push me out the door. I'm like on my way to Germany and I was replacing someone and cruise like cruise on the road. Like Kenny, you know, this uh-huh. you get protective of your people. Yeah. And you want your people on the job and you don't want the new schmuck. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. So I, I came off the plane and my head spinning because it's like, I don't even know what time it is. And I go into this venue and it was like, everyone's kind of giving me like the cold shoulder, you know, like, sup, 
So, you know, like the sup nod. I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, hey, what's up? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're the guy. All right. Yeah. Mm. So I'm just like, I'm calling back to LA. I'm like, dude, this sucks, man. Like these guys are, this is a tough nut to crack. And I, I go backstage and there's, there's one guy in the band who's super nice and he's a guitar player and he's sitting there just noodling with his guitar. And he's like, so I heard you're, you're going to be with us now. And I'm like, yeah, I'm super excited. This is going to be great, whatever. And he's like, oh, cool, cool, cool. And, and so we're just like talking, talking, talking. And then the, uh, the singer guy comes in and he's like, you David? I'm like, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, this is like, the, that's so far like the worst trip. And I'm like clinging, <laughs> clinging to this like guitar player for being nice to me. Just like, oh, <laughs> I made a friend. How old were you when this was going down? Late thirties, early okay. 40s, like 30, 38, 40, somewhere in there. I don't know. Are, are you going to say who you were working for and who oh. the band was? <laughs> no, no, I can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was a huge band. Yeah. Huge. And singer comes in. And starts talking to me. So you're David, huh? You're going to be our guy. Yeah. How long are you with us for? Oh, I'm going to be with you, you know, a couple of weeks, you know, just get to know you, blah, blah, blah. So he takes off his shirt, keeps talking to me. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I don't know this guy. <laughs> He's just flexing hard. Alpha dog. It's like, yeah, taking his, taking his shirt off. He's like, yeah, dude, whatever. And, and then, uh, um, he's, 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 he's doing this whole thing under the guise of having to go on stage in a few minutes. Right. Uh-huh. And, and, and um, he takes his pants off and he continues <laughs> to talk to me and he's like, got his hands on his hips with his boxers on. He's like, so what are we going to do about this album release in Australia? Like we got to get there and really got to do some promo or whatever, or whatever. And then takes his boxers down. Oh my God. It's like, what is going on? And then I kind of feel it like, Oh, this is a, this is a test, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> He's fucking flexing. Yeah. My, yeah. Eyes, my eyes will not go below this guy's, you know, chin. <laughs> this is not going to yeah. happen and I'm not going to break and I will not look, you fucker. <laughs> and I'm so I'm like, uh-huh. And, and and the whole time I'm just trying to like Don't look at his dick. Don't look at his dick. Don't look, look at his at dick. dick. Don't look at this. And just try to try to like try to stay on topic so hard. Like so fucking hard, right? Yeah, like yeah. you hear the kids screaming, the dicks wagging. You're just like try, try talk. Between like, the like sound of the audience and the dick like, flap, I couldn't concentrate. Yeah, I was just like fuck, fuck. I got like like calendars, release dates, promo. Like just concentrate. And then the guitar player looks over at me and he's like, woodly, 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 woodly. and he's like, you know what he's doing, don't you, buddy? <laughs> I don't know what's happening. And he goes, he's, he's reminding you who he is. He's flexing. He's flexing. He's reminding you that he's incredibly handsome and he's in a huge band. Yeah. He's the lead singer. He controls what you do. And if you didn't notice, he's got a huge dick. So you understand the pecking order now. And I'm like, yeah, I, I understand the pecking. I got it. I'll be dude. <laughs> Welcome to music one oh one. Like, what a perfect fucking first story, Basin. Jesus oh, Christ, dude! Just yeah. dick slinging and dick flapping and flexing I mean, muscles. <laughs> are you are you fucking kidding me? Like, I know we're all animals, and all this stuff happens. Like, I I know when you like when we meet people, 
you're sizing them up. You're trying to figure yeah. out what makes this person tick. Mm-hmm. How does their brain work? How do they react? Like it's all, a, it's all management is all like personality managing as, as like, if you, if, I mean, this is a big assumption guys, but like, let's just assume every manager has the base of knowledge you need to be a proper manager. Right. Then the rest of it is figuring out the personalities and that just cut to the quick. He was like, okay, this is how it's going to be. I, I am in charge and you will do what I say. And I go, thank you very much. Now I understand. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. Which like going, just knowing you and going back to my experience with A&R and managers, managers are always the cool guys. It's the fucking A&R guys that bug me the wrong way who want to talk to me about fucking drivers this and search engine that or whatever the fuck. But the managers are the ones who are like, on the ground with you every day, going to bat, making shit happen. And the A&R oh. guy's just in the fucking back who wants to go get dinner with whoever the fuck, you know? Oh, well, dude, that's how, like, okay, so if you're an artist and you have a team around you and you have a show, that's how I can always tell who the douchebags are and who's not. Yeah. It's the person standing there doing nothing. Uh-huh. That's the person I never want to be around. Yeah, I like, like that. I like, like that. go pick up something heavy. Like, go, yeah. go get dirty. I don't care what your title is. Like, there's a show that has to move. Do you something. Know? Yeah, do, do something. something. Dude, yeah, one of the things, one of the best things I learned from you, Basin, was the way you get shit done. <laughs> you were always just like, fuck it, let's call them. Fuck it, let's call them. And I get so many people who ask, how did you get fitness on the radio? How did you do this? How did you do that? I'm like... I fucking called them. I don't, you know what I mean? I didn't do, I just, I asked them. And so much of what I've been able to accomplish is just because I fucking asked, you know what I mean? And I learned that from you. I think it's awesome. That's, it's funny because today we have that Strand of Oaks record out with my guy, Tim. Yeah. And he's been doing all this press. How did you get James Eha from the Smashing Pumpkins on your record? And and his answer is, I asked him. Right. I just fucking asked asked him. him. It's my favorite band in the world. My biggest song has a lyric saying, you know, singing pumpkin songs. Like, yeah. like I'm that guy. I love this band. Well, um, I really wanted him to play on my record. So I reached out and I asked him and then, so, and that's, and then it happened. That's how, that's how, you know, that's how it works. Yeah. That's the, that's the thing. And, and the, one of the main reasons I wanted you to come on is because I get so many questions all the time. Cause I mostly produce up and coming bands, bands on the verge or whatever the fuck. And they're always like, they, they treat me like I'm their mentor where they're like, well, who did you email? Who did you call? How do I get a manager? What are they looking for? How do we get the label to pay attention? And like, it's such a weird thing that people don't think to just fucking ask. Yeah. Just, just ask. It's like, like I went the on, easiest thing. It is. And like, I, you know, with, with fitness, you know, I had a little bit of radio history, but I, I, I took to Twitter First, I went to Google and I Googled every alternative radio station in America. Then I found their Twitters and I sent them all a DM. I didn't send mm-hmm. them the song. I sent them, hey, would like to send you a song. If you'd like to listen, send me an email, right? And then you send out 200, you get 100 replies. You send out 100 songs, you get 50 fucking specialty yep. radios. 50 specialty radios, you get one ad. Like, it's a fucking numbers game, you know, kind of for the most yep. part. Dude, the, when, so I've been doing the Barstool thing since 2012 and it took off in like 2000. We were purchased originally by a churning group out in LA. They produce like Family Guy, Arrested Development. Amazing. And, um, when we got purchased back in 2016, I was working in a cube job. You know, I had a small following on the internet, maybe 10,000 followers on Twitter, whatever it was. And um, 
I, we started a podcast and we immediately went big game hunting. So I emailed the general manager of the Chicago White Sox and I had this thesis written out. Like, this is why I think you should come on and be like, I got a decent following with White Sox fans, blah, blah, blah. And he sent me a one word response. He's like, Dave, you don't, you didn't have to say all that. You should have just asked me to come on. And the answer would have been yes. And it <laughs> snowballed into literally just asking, just asking, Hey, well, do you want to come on our podcast? Yeah. Into a full blown career a few years later. Yeah. It's amazing yeah. what that it's is. It's amazing what just asking. Ask. Yeah. Just ask. And if they tell you to fuck off, then who cares? Yeah. You know, the other thing is like, it's, it's like what Kenny said. Ye- we can all handle no. Right. Yeah. No's easy. I get yeah, all that's the, time. the easiest part. Yeah. You say no. It's like, okay, cool. I'll just go ask someone else for something, you know? Right. Right. It's, it's the crazy. common Michael Jordan uh, adage. We'll call it. He's like, you can't score if you don't shoot, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Dave, he's uh, hockey, right? I'm sorry. That? He's hockey, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Big, big, big hockey big player. Hockey. Yeah, yeah. He was, it was him and Gretzky player. in like the 80s and 90s. Yeah. And Michael Jordan. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Basin. Okay. Back to our – see, I'm not very good at this, so I wrote down questions. I'm not calling. But question number five. <laughs> like, what is it like – because, you know, I've sent you 10 bands that I thought were, should pique your interest, none of which I don't think you listened to or cared for. What <laughs> makes David Basin tick – for a band, because I know management's not easy. It's a lot of fucking work, right? So you obviously want to make sure you're making a good investment of your time. What is it that you look for if you could put it into like basic sentences in an artist or a band? Okay, well, you just reminded me of a story that I hadn't thought about in a long time. So I'm going to it, tell you baby. this. Yep. But I'm going to tell you my th- my theory on on my theory on music and I'm ready. Really simple, but I was on this. Um, it was a, like probably a video shoot a few years ago. I can't remember what what client it was, but the um, you know how like when you go you go for a day to a video shoot and then you end up having like your posse and you eat lunch together and you like make one day friends, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. So so I had this little crew that day. I can't remember, but but the the stylist the stylist was in this crew because they like we were making each other laugh and I thought it was really fun. And then she had emailed me and she's like, Hey, you, can I send you a band? And I was like, sure, of course. She asked, right. You know, yeah, sure. Yeah. Of course. And she sent me this band and I, and I was like, okay, well I thought this person was really cool. So let me listen to this. And I listened to it and without thinking like, like just, I totally didn't think it through like at all. I was like, okay, I like the music singer sucks. Okay. So let me write this person back. Hey, great to hear from you. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, listen to that band. I like the tracks, but that singer, man, that singer is awful. Um, uh, like, I, 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 it was a real turnoff. And she wrote back and she's like, you do realize that I'm the singer, right? Oh, <laughs> my God. And I was just Yikes. like, oh, shit. And then I went to, like, and this is what just, spurred that memory because it, it still stings a little that's that memory <laughs> yeah. um i was like your best your best policy is always just to be honest right yeah so i was like oh shit why didn't i think about it that this person sent me the music why didn't it cross my mind that it could have been them right so then i was like your best bet is always honesty i wrote back i am so sorry didn't know it was you 
Um, well, at least now we know. <laughs> and I was telling my wife that story, and she's like, why didn't you fucking lie? Why didn't, <laughs> why didn't you say, ha, 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 just joking? Of course I know it's you. And I was like, because I'm not that smart. That is a fantastic answer. <laughs> now, I, in retrospect, that seems like that would have been the right move. <laughs> that would totally be the right move. I blew that one so hard. But <clears throat> it's sort of like ties into what you were saying. Like, for me, I think that every single one of us has a built-in bullshit detector. Every mm-hmm. one of us. Whether you call yourself musical, you can play music, you can't play music, you understand theory, you don't understand theory, it doesn't fucking matter. You know if something is authentic or it's not. Whether that's mm-hmm. music or a TV show. Honesty. Or a sports thing, whatever. We all know what is authentic and what's not. And that's the, 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 the weird part about where this, you know, where this industry has evolved into, re, you know, recently, which I totally understand and I get it. And, and you know, I, I try my best to play the game as well as anyone else, but it's all data driven now. You can convince yourself that you really think something's authentic because it's got, you know, 10 kajillion streams based, yes. based off of a TikTok moment. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. But, but where the disconnect happens is a TikTok moment is a TikTok moment and it's a different beast. It doesn't mean that you're good at music and it doesn't mean that your music is authentic. And it most certainly doesn't mean you can recreate it again. Right. Yeah. It also doesn't mean that you want to do this for a living, <laughs> that you sure. set out to do this for a living, that you ever want to tour you know, like all these things that we as managers have to now, like I have to lead with the question, is this what you want to be doing? Like the, right, you know, right. 10 years ago, whatever, however, like it was a given. We're all dead end losers. Of course, this is what we want to be doing. Yeah. No other yeah. options. It's this or slinging drinks. Like, yes, this is what we do. Now it's like, well, I caught a TikTok moment. One viral. It went now viral. Now I want to make 10 second videos. I'm, yeah. And, and, and I'm having... I have options like it comes on so quickly now that it, it can be a, it can be a career decision. It's like, well, I'm going to try this. And if it doesn't work, I'm going to be an accountant. Yeah. Basin, you, you've taught me the term real, which is really helpful for me in working with radio people and that kind of stuff. When they're like, Hey, Kenny, uh, we got this. We're working on that. We're working on that. You told me to ask them, is this real? And ever since I started using that question, I get real answers, straight answers. And my question is, do these TikTok viral moments, are they real? Do they, are, do they boost drivers? Do they help in any way? Or do you have to have five of them to see a well, difference? Or No, they're fantastic. They're, they're fantastic. So, so I manage a band who had um, a really, really long journey to a number one record, uh-huh. two different radio formats. And they were doing all the traditional, um, all the traditional, you know, grin and grip, uh, like going out, touring, doing promo in the morning when you don't want to be up, doing late night television, doing all the things that, you know, are, are traditional ways to work a record. At the height, at the number one, when we were at number one, we were streaming, I think it was like a million a week or something, yeah, right? Yeah. Which, you know, these days it's not really all that big. But it's so um, sad to say. Yeah. But then 
And that was touring for four months straight, grinding it out, like bags under the eyes, like, oh, what, what city are we in? You know, like the whole thing. You've done it a thousand times. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> they go home, sit on their couch and play video games to recoup from touring their asses off. Yeah. A TikTok moment happens for them. They started streaming four times what they were, what they were streaming while they were out there driving themselves into the ground. Jesus Christ. Right. So, and God and, damn. And, and, you know, now there's like, you know, there's a plaque on the wall and like all this stuff, but it wouldn't have happened without the TikTok moment. We would have limped. We would have limped to gold and now it's platinum, you know? Now, so going, going back to what you look for in a band, and I don't want to pin it to something as specific as TikTok, but that viral ability mm-hmm. that, those moments, those is that something that like you're looking for that you you look to see if that you think they could do it or does that matter for you because you're going for authenticity? Yeah. So what I look for is real, and then you have to you have to then be realistic with yourself about what your lane is. So that has been a real learning curve over the last I would say two three years because. Once you learn, oh, well, the frontline pop, you know, combat zone that is the, you know, the top 40 charts and all that, that is a completely different business model than, say, um, indie, indie rocker mm-hmm. yeah. who has built a career for themselves and can go and sell a thousand tickets in a whole lot of markets. But you can't force A into B. It's a different, it's a different thing. You don't work, you don't work uh, an indie artist who's on their eighth record the same way as you do uh, a a, a frontline pop artist who's just popping off on TikTok for the same time. It's a different thing. Right. And so different things cross your desk as a manager. And what you have to look for is, is there a lane for this particular artist? Right. So, if let's say, you know, I, I've got a new client who's been at it a long, long time, but I think they have been pigeonholed with their persona into the wrong slot. Yeah. So what I look for in that particular artist is I feel there's room for growth in that artist if we just change the perception to a more cultural, soft-seated yeah. theater, write a book, do NPR, get yeah. the old people out of the house and get them into the chairs at the theaters and like a few more bucks on the ticket price. That's cool. I don't need to be, you know, it doesn't need to be a TikTok thing for me to be happy at you all. You don't have to be on the front lines of the combat zone. Right. No. Which is awesome. I mean, like everything, let's fuck, everything you just said is shit that like I don't know about everybody wants to know about, you know what I mean? Of like how to do it and how it matters. It's just about if you pay attention to what the artist is saying and then what they're telling you about their career and where they are in their career. And then between you and them envision something where you can take it from here and grow it to here. Right. That's important. That's a, sure. that's a goal. And that can be a win. And then you look for your next win and then you look for your next win where people get ahead of themselves. It's like, 
I don't have a manager. I don't have an agent. I don't have a fucking publicist. I can't get on the radio. Ah, help me. Yeah. Right. That, yeah. It's like, what do you want? What do you want me to do? Well, and that led, led, leads me to my next question of, do you think, I'm going to try to put this as broadly as I can. Do you think young bands should be looking for a manager or should wait until uh, somebody sees something in them? Does that make sense? Yeah. It's, you don't need a manager until you can't handle the workload you already have. Right. Right. That's that, a great point. My jaw is still on the floor from something someone said to me once a few years ago. (laughs) I don't want to tour. I don't want to work. I just want you to hook me up. You know people. What? Well, so that's what I think a lot of these young bands are looking for managers for. They're looking for, you can take us to the next level. And it's like, that's not really what they're meant to do. Your music is supposed to take you to the next level and they can maybe help you with ears, but... It doesn't work that way because... I think that this, like... And I was, I was, I said this the other day on another show I do. I'm 32 years old. I think the gap between me and a current 22 year old, 10 years, it might as well be a hundred. Yeah. Because they just like, I, I sound like the old man yelling at clouds, Homer Simpson gif or meme or whatever it is right now. But you know it's, I feel, dude. it's like fucking wild. It's like they expect things to be handed to them. Like I'm saying just like as the stigma of that of younger generation right now. And I am that younger generation, but the 10 year gap makes me feel like I'm not. It's real. No one wants to fucking work. It's like, here, let me ask you this. Would you, would you take on a client or a band or whoever, if you didn't think they needed you at the, at the moment? Only if I absolutely fell in love with it and thought it was like, if I thought it was a surefire inevitable that other people would get it. I've just, yeah, yeah, I would. And I have before. And it's, but like when I've done it before, then I'm leveraging my relationships to get the kid a deal. Right. Mm-hmm. And I've done that. And I like, I'll call up my friends and I say, hey, I got this guy. Come down and see him. And, and I'll like pull some favors and get people down to see someone. And they'll be like, oh, wow. Yeah, this guy's great. And I say, yeah, but I can't figure out what's not working. I can't figure out why he's not huge. He's, he looks phenomenal. He sings better than he looks. He's cool. The music is great. What isn't connecting? And then I've luckily had really cool partners who have said, I don't know, but this is rad. Let's sign this person and figure it figure out. Figure out later, for sure. So that does happen. Um, that particular artist hasn't, hasn't broken through yet, but we all love him. And we want him to break through. We just haven't cracked the code, but we got to believe in them. Well, here, l- let me say part. this right. Is, is this a current client, client of yours? Yeah. Throw his name out there. I got a big reach. I work for a massive media outlet. I can publish his shit fucking tomorrow or Sunday or next week. Very true. We're his tens name, of thousands of people. His name is Tolliver. T-O-L-S-I-V-E. Oh, dope. I've heard. And yeah. He is phenomenal. That's and great, he's man. The coolest person. And I just, I love this kid. But I haven't figured out. And like, Kenny, I you've you've heard his music, right? Yeah, you've showed it to me. It's great. It's amazing. And, and like you said, he, he looks great. He sounds great. Everything's cool about it. Some just Why hasn't clicked yet. And raw talent, just unrealized raw talent. Yeah, I just don't understand. Like, it 
it keeps me up at night. Why hasn't this broken? You know, like I just don't understand because he's the coolest. And does it have anything to do with like the fucking playlist gatekeeping and the $10,000 record deals that, you know, people hand out like candy or like just that kind of fucked up side of that backside of the business. You you just, yeah, you just use a, a, a phrase or a word or verb or adjective how often does that go down like just musical gatekeeping in the, in the industry because i feel like there's there's been guys that i've stumbled upon on spotify or wherever youtube uh just looking for new music and i think the same thing i'm like how in the fuck is this guy not awesome or this band or this girl or whoever and i always ask myself that question i'm like what is gatekeeping them from being huge well there's more music being released than ever in the history mm-hmm. of music before. So there's a there like a lot of fishes in the sea. Every everybody who happens to have a gatekeeper job is inundated. Absolutely mm-hmm. inundated. More music yeah. than they could ever ever listen to. Um the it's interesting that DSPs are are moving more to an algorithmic based thing. So what they do is they elevate things that are yep. happening that are already being being big. Yeah, they're elevating things that are happening. But you can be minuscule, but if they if they see a spark, they can widen widen it to a larger yep. audience and see if it reacts. And so it's so when you say is it gatekeepers? Well, you know, it depends on what DSP you're talking about. But like you know, I think. Like, isn't Spotify like 50% algorithmic playlisting anyways, right? Like, much, yeah. I got a couple buddies. This is like five, six years ago. And I shouldn't say buddies really, but they're friends of friends. And um, they went to the University of Wisconsin and they do like frat parties there, shit like that. And they caught in, they caught hold of the algorithm on Spotify some way, somehow in Pandora, mm-hmm. where all of a sudden they're like getting asked to play a bunch of shows everywhere and it's like what the fuck happened they were like after an akon song or something alphabetically or something weird like that where all of a sudden they went from having a few thousand plays per whatever song they were putting out to like hundreds and hundreds of thousands so it is weird like that yeah 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 totally it's and 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 what you said goes back exactly to what we were just talking about these people who find themselves in these positions like oh i guess i'm a streaming artist now guess yeah you know like like yeah so that's that that is a weird that is a new that is like a new thing that we we've never dealt with before but like how are you guys navigating that i was speaking to the i was speaking to someone who runs a runs a major uh label the other day and it was the first time i'd heard someone at a major say we're actually out of that game and that was interesting to me. That that signified to me a next evolution where because um, A&R has become more like um, acquisitions, you know? Yeah, it's, yeah, not yeah, yeah. About, um, uh, it's not about uh, developing talent anymore. It's about, oh, this thing is popping off because of data. I've, Grab it. Um, all the all the labels get the exact same data. So it's a level playing field in terms of information. So then it just becomes a race to who can get there first. With a better deal. Yeah. And who can sign it and like which one of the handful of labels is going to, you know, 
say, okay, well, I'll just give me, give me the best offer and I'll double it or whatever. Like all the, all yeah. the usual, like whatever moves, but like, um, it's interesting that people have been burned. People who run record labels now have been burned enough times with data story um, yeah. signings because just remember, it's incredibly hard to recreate it. Right. For, for, for single number two, it's hard. Like there's no guarantee that because your first single worked, your second one is even relevant. Like it's, oh, it's very, it well. hard, like very hard, you know? So, so there, enough people have been burnt with like TikTok data driving up prices on deals that some of that at least one major I know is now saying like, Mm-mm, we're doing cheap development deals and you know, the ones that have paid off for us are our, are our biggest artists. That well, that that's one of my other questions that I wanted to ask you. Cause in my tenure as a producer for up and coming bands, I have seen tens and 20, 30 bands come through with the standard $10,000 deal from some label, which is no money to them. Out of the 10, $10,000 deals they gave out, two of them were starting to hit, leaving the other eight just not to do anything. Their name is owned by the label. They can't put anything out, yada, yada, yada. Do you, is that something real that you still see or see at I all? I was speaking to an A&R person the other day who said, I can't believe how brutal it's gotten. Yeah. The time, the time between, so, so everyone is trying to shorten the time between when the ink is dry on the deal and the music is out there in the world. Mm-hmm. They want it on their desk for as, little, for as little as time as possible. Get on my desk, get off my desk, out to market, out to market, out to market, which is why, you know, A&R is no longer A&R, it's acquisitions, right? Like, because we're not making a record. We're putting our name on the record that you made. Right, yeah, exactly. Right? Like, get it off my desk. Get it off my desk. Put it out there. Because the current line of thinking is the things that are working will put their hand up and we'll back our truck up and we'll pour money on the thing that works. Right, right. Just said, which is good thinking if you're that, if that's your job, right? But what it's led to, and this A&R person at a major label was telling me, we are signing bands and dropping them before an album ever hits market. Jesus Christ, it's like that. So they're analyzing, they're analyzing the data so like in such minutia that if they that if they feel like the 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 data, the the performance of the song has crested before, before it's straight yeah, by cut cut the costs now. Drop the artist, cut the cost because these things have a long tail. And eventually, right. if you cut the cost now, you can recoup on the deal, whether it'll be you know now or later. Yep. Eventually, you'll make your money back, but don't spend any more money. God, it's so cra- it's so crazy how much like it seems like the record industry was the same for thirty years, and then in the last fifteen to twenty, yeah. like the, the every single year. I mean, just with. From Instagram into TikTok, or go back further to Facebook, to this, to that, Spotify, Apple, you know, iTunes. Like, it's crazy how fast everything's changing. I wanted to ask you, um, like, what you said, what's real, right? Like, it's easy enough to get a quick million streams with the right playlist or the right whatever. But you told me once that there's 
hidden data kind of like in that Spotify for artists and you were looking at my stuff and you were looking for the save rate. Yeah. Is that something that bands should be paying attention more to than their just overall stream count? Like what did like if, if well, bands like I want to get signed to a label, what are they looking for? Don't fall, don't fall for that. Give me money. I'll get you streams bullshit because right. yeah. people who look at numbers all day long, they, it, it reads like a book. Right. Right. It's like somebody having 12,000 Instagram followers and three likes on their photos. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. So like, you know, like, dude, I got four of those offers today because my hardcore band put out a song today. Right. Right. Spend money on that. Right. You know what exactly. I mean? Like, give me 500 bucks. Give me 500 bucks. Yeah. Like, oh, that's more than I spent on my record, you dingus. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, you want... Oh fuck! I swear I turned it off. Okay, I'll edit that shit out. Um, how is that even possible? I'm on airplane. <laughs> um, big brother, big brother. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you want? Okay, so there's skip rates, right? Skip rates. To be honest with you. No, I don't think artists should be obsessed with that. Right. That was going to be my follow-up question is, I, do you think I, they should I be focused go, on the music? I went to go right. meet, dude, I went to go meet this artist that everyone was like, oh, you should have a boner for this one. This one's really good. You should go. Like, oh, I'm like, okay, I'll fly to fucking Colorado on my goddamn birthday and be away from my family. Okay, Jesus. I'll do it. And I got there and this person went on stage Got off stage, sweaty. The performance didn't seem real to me. It seemed really hokey, like really sort of Vegasy, and like I didn't believe anything they were saying. And then we went out back, and this person was like, "I just sold a T-shirt. I just sold a T-shirt. Look at that. Look at that. I, I sold. Oh, oh, sold another. One. You know what? I really like this. Is my favorite part of the day watching my merch sell. I'm like." If that's the favorite part of your yeah. fucking day, you're you in the wrong job. Stage, fuck you, dude. And you're in the wrong job. I'll yeah. say this: the uh, <clears throat> so I host two podcasts on top of this one. So this is a third one I host, um, and then I write a little bit. I do, you know, kind of jack of all trades, master of absolutely nothing. But they like are my higher ups at my company, Barcel Sports. They don't tell us our downloads. They don't tell us how much merch we sold. They don't want us chasing numbers like that. They explicitly say, go do you. Yes. And the rest will follow if you're good at what you do. That's exactly and right. It's like, a, I feel like a fair analogy because if you're chasing like, great, oh, look, I just sold a t-shirt, you know? It's a great and, analogy. And that analogy, like that applies to when you're making music. It applies to when you're, out there touring it applies to like like everything you do as an artist or a or mm -hmm. like an executive or anything like you should have you should have blinders on right i, I don't want to see what the other people are doing i want to do what i do and i want to put my head down and i want to do my work and the funny thing is like when you meet you know people who have had success and you're like oh my god isn't the success great they're like fuck no that came <laughs> as a, that came as a side uh, uh, like a, it came as a, as a, like a side thing to me doing my thing. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, exactly. To me, just doing what I do. Yeah, like I do what I do and I'm focused on it and I concentrate on what I do and people notice because I'm paying attention to what I do. If you're, if you're out there and your goal is for people to notice, it never works. Yeah, nope, totally, 100%. Never works because it's not real. Yeah, exactly fucking right. That's great. And you know, as, as many... This, uh, this podcast, man, I always hope that this podcast inspires, you know, the up and coming next generation of musicians, creatives, whatever it is. That said, for as many bands as there are out there, there's aspiring managers out there, too. And is there anything sure. that you would say to those people who are like, not necessarily like, look for real, look for right talent, but or like, what, what would you say to have a manager, an up and coming manager be successful or like do their best work? I think you have to get out of your house. Yeah. So because of COVID and like a, a, a byproduct of COVID has been that it's really hard to put a, a crew together to tour because, yeah. you know, you like people are either touring in a bubble and taken or they're staying home. Or it just basically seems like the only people left who to put on your crew are the knuckleheads who you don't want on your crew. Right, right, yeah. so, so one of my clients had a, a four-day run on the East Coast the other day. And I said, you know what? I'm going to tour manage your four-day run. And I got a plane ticket and I went for the four-day run. And we did two festivals and some radio promo in New York, which is the best city on the planet. <laughs> um, Dump. <laughs> uh, and um the just the fact of getting out there getting out there and putting your hand out or your fist out whatever and saying like hey i'm basin i'm with this person we're here to do this i met an art an art for sure gallery person i needed to meet who i've now texted with i met radio promo people who i've now helped two other clients with other than yeah. the I met them yep. and you've got to go and fucking do it. You can't do it from an email. Nope. No one fucking listens. They only read half your email just so you know. And like, it's impossible to do without like Be- being there, being there. And also like, what is this fucking fear of making a phone call yeah totally just just call them find out ask them i don't know yourself that's it all goes back to what we started talking about at the beginning just ask just Just fucking ask do it in a way where like someone can hear your voice look in your eyes like so that you can be understood like I get these like passive aggressive texts from people <laughs> like, "Hey, you didn't answer my proposal," but I'm like, "I don't know who the fuck you are, man." Yeah, like, fuck off. Yeah, like like go and do it. I mean, it's like essentially man is showing up. You gotta you show, show up, up and do the and, job. And when you show up, lift something. Yeah, see, you're smart. Get your hands dirty. Yeah, get your hands dirty. Basin, I dude, I can't thank you enough for all your time and I'll let you out of here. But like you, my friend, have always shown up for me. And exactly what you said is exactly what you what you do. Anytime I've needed you, you were there. Anytime I was afraid of something, you were there. And I appreciate that. And I hope that teaches new up and coming managers of what they need to do. I do have one more question for you that came in from Colin, our host. He asked, How would you feel about managing a band with a soon-to-be hit podcast, great songs, and a handsome frontman? <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. 
Yeah, that, that, that's all it takes. Hey, I, my last oh, question for you, I, I want to hear how you guys originally hooked up. Did you like, did Kenny just ask or did? Uh, or, no, it was through our friend, Sarah Berkowitz, who yeah. is a fantastic, fantastic, fantastic tour manager. We went around the world together on, on, on a couple of things. And she mentioned to me that Kenny was looking and I said, oh, yes, please. And we met and I went to his studio and it just so happened that that day, two guys from Eve Six were there and I had worked one of their records in 1997. And oh my it, God. Was, it was just, circle. But, but I got in my car and I went there. Yeah, he showed. He showed. He didn't up. show an email. And, and, and check, Basin. Do you yeah. like how I had another manager vetting meeting for my band at the same exact time as I had you there? Like a little flex. Like, oh well, yeah. By the way, I also do this band. Oh yeah. There's also these managers interested. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to pit them against each other, create a little bitty. No, war. well, Basin was gonna see. So there's a difference. Basin manages my production career, everything I record, okay. songwrite, yep. that kind of shit. And then I was in a band called Fitness, and we had these two Eve Six knuckleheads who wanted to manage fitness. So it was just like, hey, look, we got things going on, guys. All right, everybody be stoked. <laughs> it was just a stupid idea, but it worked. I got and both I, of you guys. I loved seeing those guys, and it really made my day to bump into those guys. And I've, I've, I've been really actually blessed to keep in touch with them. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Basin, thank you again, man. I appreciate oh, you taking the time and giving us all this great much. insight. It, I learned a ton. I have, That was a great combo, I thought. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Well, a lot of good advice for, I don't even want to like pigeonhole it into just musical, but like people in general, you know, yeah, in any absolutely. walk of life. Dave, uh, Basin, plug your new song. What came out today? Oh, Cuffs, like Handcuffs by War Orphan. War Orphan, there it is. I assume you guys are on all the uh, Spotify's and the Apple Music's? Yes, thank you, Allison Hagendorf. Yes, God bless Allison Hagendorf, gatekeeper to all of our lives. <laughs> Mason, thanks so much, man. We're going to get out of here. Bye, guys. Later, thank you dude. so much. Bye. Nice to meet you, man. Thank you so much. All right, so that was our interview with David Basin. I just want to say right off the top, Kenny, amazing job. You are a God-given interviewer. That's a fucking total <laughs> bullshit lie, but you yeah, did that's a great fucking job. Shit, but like, at least me and Basin are homies, you know what I mean? Do you know what I left with that interview, though? And I texted you this. I want to talk to this guy. I, I felt as an artist a connection to be like, oh, my God, that's the kind of guy I want running my life. He Dude, seems like a fucking awesome so guy. It's so important. Like, when I got... I had our AWOL manager was this way. And like, there's many of them out there and I've been fortunate to have good managers, but with bass and like, I feel like a good goal for any artist producer, anybody is to get a manager that you fully trust. Like if mm. Basin says this is real, it's real. If he says it's not, it's not. If he says I should do this, I'm going to do it. Like just to have a guy. Cause you can't weed through the bullshit as an artist and try to figure out what's my best direction or what's this or what's that. Like you can make your own decisions, of course, but like you need to trust somebody who's like, I'm telling you, this is the song. I'm telling you, this is the way to go kind of thing. And you're like, you know what? Whatever you say, boss, I'm in. Robbie, do you have an agent? No. <laughs> I didn't know. I thought a lot no, of you guys God, had agents. No, God, no. No, I mean, no. I think maybe some people do, but not definitely not me, no. Dude, we should get Basin to just manage Robbie for no reason. Just He's fucking so sick, ha just have him yeah. in the corner, bro. <laughs> uh, uh, just put me on the website, like, along with people. So when your people are going through his list of uh, artists, they're like, holy shit. Man. Oh, my God. <laughs> Who the fuck is this? Who's Robbie? <laughs> Dude, my first week with Basin, he took me into interviews with the head of Interscope, the head of Feckin' Atlantic, the head of Warner, like, to play in my beats, my music, the stuff I make, and line me up with writers, like, 
He's a fucking G. He says he's going to do something and he'll fucking do it. And it's amazing to see. He's a pit bull, baby. I love it. So we're going to have him back on. I can't wait to get out to LA, work with Kenny on some music. And we'll just fucking get him down and sit him down and ask him some real questions too. So I'm excited, man. Bro, we uh, didn't but- even go into the fact that I make his punk rock records, his like thrash rock, hardcore no shit. fucking. Bro, he's the screamer in a fucking like political punk rock fucking crazy bands with like like legends from old bands, like Sick of It All. Like the guitar player from Sick of It All is making records and bass and singing on it. It's called Barf Bag. It's really fucking good. <laughs> nice. good. I was going to say, Basin is a G, dude. He's awesome. Canadian screamer. I appreciate it, bro. That's awesome. Uh, let's go into music news. Uh, a lot of music dropped this week. There's one release that I cannot wait to fucking talk about. But uh, we had Don Tolliver come out with uh, his new album, Life of a Don. Fucking outstanding. Big, nerdy Don Tolliver fan. A lot of talent there. Uh, Mitski, uh, Mitski just dropped a new single. James Blake came back with a new album. Coin came back with a new single. Nas came out with a new single. But none of these things compare to the most important release of the week. Big important. Dwayne The Rock Johnson made his <laughs> debut as a rapper this week. And this leads me to a larger conversation. But holy shit, it was exactly what I expected it to be. He comes in talking about the heart of a lion and like fucking back against the wall pressure. It was exactly what I thought it was going to be. He appeared on a Tech 9 song. Um, I don't know. Kenny, was it what you expected? It's exactly well. First, I wasn't expecting it, right? So <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll start yeah. there, and then uh, as soon as the first beat hit, I knew what I was getting into. I mean, obviously, it's awful, and and yes, the, yes, the, but obviously. the best part about all of it are the fucking comments because they're not like big <laughs> hatred comments. They're like funny pun comments about yeah. like, yo, rap rock is back or like Limp Bizkit call up. Like the fucking comments are so good. I'm here for them. Robbie, did you hear it? Yeah, I did hear it. I want to say it's not his rapping debut. We got to show some respect to your welcome from Moana. That is oh, a yeah. rap banger. Thanks. But yeah, I heard this. I, I saw like as soon as he posted it on Instagram, it was like as soon as I had refreshed it, it said two minutes ago. And it was like, tomorrow I make my rap debut in this Tech 9 song. And I was like, is this an SNL bit? I was trying to do like, is this, this has got to be some Terramana tequila commercial thing, right? Yeah, Where he's yeah, like... Yeah trying to do something viral here but yeah it's exactly what you would expect when you think of what is the rock rapping over a tech nine beat sound like it sounds like he's like very out of place on that song yep have you have you have you maybe other than juliette lewis in my opinion is there any other like major actor that anybody knows of that not necessarily made a leap but like put out a song made a band and you're actually blown away by Oh, that's a good question. So I don't have a major actor, but I will say I saw, so I went to a Mod Sun show. I know Mod Sun, yeah. Girlfriends and Tyler Posey were the openers. Oh, Girlfriends is the host of uh, Catfish on MTV, and Tyler Posey was the guy that was Teen Wolf for so many years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both of them, I left being like, all right, they they did their job. They got the crowd into it as openers. It's very basic four-chord pop punk from both of them. The drummer of Girlfriends, I think, is like the owner of a label and shit. He seems to be the brains of the operation, and he was definitely the best musician on stage. But those two actors, yeah, it was like, this is weird. I'm at a fucking MTV concert, but yeah. Isn't isn't Keanu Reeves a bass player? Keanu Reeves yeah, is yeah, and he plays right. around Hollywood, bro. If you guys were out here in the LA world, you'd see him in random places, and it's not good, you know. <laughs> uh, like I like fucking Jeremy Renner put out a song, like a rock song oh, in the last year. Well, Depp has not a good. band, right? With Joe Johnny Perry? Depp does, yeah, yeah, John- yeah, 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 and yeah, Alice yeah, Cooper. Yeah. He can play a little bit, actually. The documentary. Honestly, I always- 
The only actor, major actor that I know that I like their music is like Adam Sandler. You know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. you know, those songs that he wrote, even like Thanksgiving song, and like all the other, they're they're good fucking good songs. songs. And yeah. then all the songs in Wedding Singer, like these are yep. good fucking songs. Do you count Bradley Cooper after Star is Born? I never saw the movie. It, he because he did sing it's it. Worth seeing, yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, I heard it was it, good. I heard it was great. It was I had good. nothing bad to say about it. Well, so future guest of the podcast, um, Bradley Nelson. Cooper. Oh, dude! I heard you. First off, Bradley Cooper, Philly guy. I could, I, we could finagle that somehow. But um, no, uh, I, I mean, uh, Bradley Cooper, uh, Lucas Nelson wrote all those songs. Yeah, and then Mark Ronson was involved in it. With, yeah, uh, Eddie Gaga, Gaga was involved. Yeah, my so, brother just saw Lucas Nelson uh, on Friday night. By the way, in Michigan, said he he's a monster, once dude. again blew him away. There's monster. a great podcast with Mark Ronson on, Ooh, yeah. I believe, Dak Shepard's podcast explaining the whole A Star is Born writing process and shit. It was really oh, wow. interesting. Yeah, it's really I hate good. Mark Ronson because he's jumped into the music podcasting game and now, I mean, like... His fucking stupid-ass voice. Yeah. The way he talks is so weird because it's more like rich New York meets London in some yep. weird way. That I actually used to work with his sister, Samantha, a lot when I first got to L.A. and she's a sweetheart. Well, I mean, Mark Rod, you ever hear the story about like I watched his documentary recently? Like his his parents were like British socialites, like they used yeah. to hang out with Mick yeah. Jagger and shit. Yeah. And then they got divorced and they moved his mom moved to America with the wound up marrying the lead singer a foreigner. Yeah. Uh-huh. uh-huh. What? Nick Jones. Yeah. Yeah. What a fucking small world. I wow. mean, not, not that the guy had enough influence around him when he was growing up. He obviously did, but I want to know who would love the, this. I love <laughs> I, I love Mark Ronson, but uh my question here with the whole rock thing, right? First off, it was a Terramana commercial because he did plug it at the end. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Uh do we just give him the Grammy like right now? Like artist of the decade, whatever. I just I want know. him to be president. <laughs> Me too. It's I love like, The Rock so yeah. much that they should make a Grammy for him, like best yes. celebrity performance of the year. And everyone <laughs> will be like, wait, what? Does that even happen in seen, I knew that he was like the highest followed person or whatever. Do you know, it's like 240 million followers. Like, how do you fathom that? How do you even begin? That's almost the entire population of this country. Is it's he crazy. the most famous person on earth right now? Yeah, highest paid actor and most followed person on Insta. He might be the most famous. I can't think of LeBron James might be the most like famous. Could, person like you got to take like the Pope out, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Not like, any, like, fam- and famous, like maybe famous, presidents. Famous, famous? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just celebrity, celebrity. I, think I mean, he could be. Tom Cruise. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Tom Cruise. Yeah. I, mm. Like wow. who can go? Who can't Tom go Cruise and, doesn't have that social presence. Like yep. no, totally. Rock like, is, who can't? Is, who can't go anywhere in the entire world without being pestered by fans? Like Shaq. The Rock, right. Like Shaq. Yeah. yeah. It's a seventeen. Well, what yeah. I was gonna say. What you're noticing about all these people is also they can't hide they're because huge, they're all yeah. humongous. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you no, can't. True, hi- yeah, yeah. You can't mistake someone for Shaq. You can't be like in a supermarket and see somebody and be like. Is that Shaq? No, you're like, that's fucking Shaq. Shaq's like, I put on a hat. Nobody will know. (laughs) The Rock Rock is a big tattooed Samoan black guy, like with like the most recognizable face and voice ever. Like you can't like put a fucking knit cap on him. It's like, might that be the rock as he hulks out of a fucking t-shirt? Like it's (laughs) the rock. Like, uh, but no, uh, what I really wanted to lead into this was like my point before the segments get in. (laughs) If the rock's making music now and it sounds pretty decent, is it too easy to make music at this point? And I bring this up because our friends, the Knox, who were on the podcast, uh, tweeted something out the other day, and they basically tried to make the point that, like, with the birth of Splice and Ableton and all these programs that, like, make everything sound perfect, even if it's not, is it too easy to make music at this point? Kenny, or more the producer on this. And is it kind of taking away the retention or the care that we all give towards it? Do you know what I'm saying? I'm going to go back to something 
Trent Reznor said in like fucking 2008 or 2007 when like the internet was coming around and people started making records in their bedroom. Uh, and I wouldn't get it perfectly right, but he said something to the effect of like, if it was that easy, there would be a lot of really good music out there. And there's Ooh. just not. And it doesn't matter how many fucking loops or this, this and that that you have. Like, yes, it can be easier to create. Sure. But is it easier to get broken into the industry? Is it easier to have a single that works? Absolutely not. Wow, I was not expecting that to come out of you, dude. That was fucking awesome. Bro, that's all yeah, that's Reznor. interesting I because, like, I would, I'm not the producer mind, and I would be like, yeah, definitely, because I see the, you know, the TikTok stars that kind of just mm. get put into a here's a Travis Barker drum track, which Kenny loves. Yeah, he, he's love he's a big love advocate him. of, but <laughs> and they'll give him four chords, and it's like here's a song with, and I, it's like, but is that they're song passable? But yeah, it the, the songs never go anywhere. It's always the same thing, right. repeated, repeated, repeated. You repeated. have to have an special voice or incredible something yeah. amazing to say or whatever yep. the fuck it is, or be interesting in some way. Like even At in rap, which is so much of its loops, you know, prefab loops from shit. It's still about that voice. Look at Future. Look at fucking all these like th that. Those shits are prefab beats. Dr. Dre has a hundred employees just making beats all day long, That's getting paid insane. salary. <laughs> so if they he uses something of theirs, he already owns it. But and so even wow. with that prefab shit though, then you put on a voice like fucking Dre or something like, like you know what I mean? Like it's it's so much more than just splice and that kind of stuff. I think what I take out of that is it's easier to create music but it's just as difficult to make something that's memorable. So I yeah. think maybe what the Knox were trying to get at in that statement was more like, there's way more bullshit, but there's not more good music, and therefore it muddies the water. And then you're bombarded constantly with so much that it all kind of goes over your head because you don't have a choice whether or not, like just as a defense mechanism as a listener, some of it's got to go over your dome. Well, maybe it makes it harder for an artist who has something real to poke their head out amongst the muck because even though there's a million new songs somebody's got to listen to those million songs to figure yep. out what's the good stuff yeah. right so like maybe there's a hindrance there but at the same time it's like what trent said was if that were true there'd be so much good music out there now this not. is why i'm putting this out into the universe right now when you say something like that this is why i want allison hagendorf to come on this podcast because as the person who's responsible, so you know who Allie Hagendorf is by chance, Robbie? Does she run like a Spotify division? She runs of the rock, biggest Spotify. She runs the entire rock side of playlisting for. Okay, Spotify. I thought so. Yeah. So as much of a gripe as we, you know, or not a gripe, but we, the comments we throw out here about the playlisting world, I don't give those people enough credit in the fact they have to wade through so much. Do you know what I mean? Like I will say that, like talking about this ocean of music. I mean, just logistically, you have to have some sort of gatekeeping on there in order to fucking keep it running and making the people who need to be happy, happy. The labels and stuff like that. I would love to have her on here just to literally get, uh, like, what is your day-to-day -day like? How yeah. are you sifting through all of this shit? Like, I, that's not even, this is not a sarcastic thing. I would love to have her on here to have that conversation. I wonder if it's like a new age version of, you know, you hear back in the day, like interns would just get CDs upon CDs. And if there was one that was good, they'd give it to someone. Is it's it now same. she has people it's, and they're sending the her same. MP3s she has, of she has this people. is okay? Yeah. yeah. She has she people. Did. And then there's also names that she trusts, you know, in bands, which is why most of those playlists are repeat, you know, pushed. Yeah. yeah. Oh, not to mention the fact that, and we can be honest about this, there are a lot of those slots that are filled out by major labels. They basically own yeah. those spots and they farm their people through there. But, 
I mean, realistically, you have to have some sort of fucking gate on there at some point because 80 million bands exist. Imagine being like the rap, the people who run rap caviar on Spotify. Holy shit, they must get 50 billion DMs a day. Now, don't you know forget I mean? though, too, that like just as much as artists are trying to get their shit playlisted, there's people who are making their own private playlists trying to yep. push those to get followers and grow and get outside of the Spotify algorithm. Cause like, you know, Allison's people, they're not going to not take a phone call from the head of A&R of Warner Chapel. Exactly. You know, yeah. so like you know, there, there is an unfair advantage, you know, to that industry on that side. But yeah, there's like, I hope that the private playlisting world can expand to a point where it gives Spotify for a run for its money. I mean, too, just because I get so many people who ask me questions about the Spotify or the playlisting game and all that shit. I have no goddamn answers, but I would like to instead of having an uninformed opinion on here, have the head of the rock side come on here and we can have a clear explanation. I think that'd be really good for everybody involved. She might. She responds to like one out of every seven of my emails to her. So maybe. There you go. <laughs> I mean, throw Dave and Dante's name in there. They might see, a, we'll throw Robbie's email in there. She might see a fucking <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. at Barstool Sports. You never know. I, I could tweet her. I got the little check. They give me the check. Maybe she'll see it. She'll see it. I, th I it think out. it would be. I have already had two I'll people turn, turn us down because of the Barstool name. <laughs> really? <Yeah. laughs> true, true story. Fuck them. Fuck them. Oh, they're, they're not rock and roll. <laughs> I, I, I'm the coward that's not going to say their name, but like they pride themselves on not giving a fuck, not caring. I'm so anti. I fucking say what I want and all this different shit. And then also... I don't really want to be tied to the Barstool name because of blah, blah. You're like, you fucking coward. You yeah. fucking coward. <laughs> you're fake fucking coward. Fuck also, you. let me also say something. Anytime I hear that bullshit, it means that you really don't know anything about yeah. Barstool. You know nothing. You, you yeah, just no, read, you read random shit. Yeah, like us yeah. idiots. Yeah, like, yeah what the fuck? <laughs> what am I gonna? Yeah, what are we gonna do? You know what I mean? Well, yeah, like, we're menaces to society. To society over here. And like, Dave's out here fucking fighting John Cusack. Yeah, like, yeah. Which, which my buddy would love, but like old Port for some reason they're like, uh, oh, I don't know. You're like, uh, you're a fucking coward. Fuck off. See? I didn't want right. you anyway. All right, that's enough conversation on the music industry. Let's go into on the list, off the list. Uh, Robbie, I'm gonna let you start, dude. Who's on your list? Okay, on my list this week, I kind of did doubles. I think I have doubles for everything this week. So Ooh. on my list, this one's going to be, people are going to be like, you're so fucking white. It's ramen noodles. I had ramen noodles for the first time in my life ever first last time? month. First month, first what? time. Last month, I, I just never had. Guy. I never had. I never had you? like the instant ramen noodles. I never yeah. had the restaurant ramen noodles. Never had any of it. Went to Columbus, had ramen noodles there. Was blown away. I was like, I don't know what I've been missing out on my whole life. This was fucking delicious. Had them three times since. I went to Momofuku in New York, which is yeah, like yeah, yeah. kind of yep. a famous place. Yep, that's fine. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So welcome, welcome, away. baby. Welcome, so, dude. So my I'm first time in. having my first time having real ramen was in uh, Brooklyn when I was up there. Yep. Working with a producer friend of mine, delicious. But you never had like oodles and noodles growing up. No, no. What? Dollar dollar ramens, man. Dollar ramen, dude. And if you really get pack. fancy, if you really get fancy, you're hard hard boil an egg. Hard boil. Drop egg. that bitch in that cup. Oh man, that's a whole meal right there. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I was a huge fan of the entire experience. I got um, what do they call them? Bings. The, yeah, the little yeah. it was like a taco thing, but with a flatbread yeah. as the shell. Oh my god, that shit was delicious. Yeah. So I have that. Fuko is fucking unfair too. <laughs> oh yeah, I got recommended <laughs> yeah. that by everyone. I've been there because I, I so was good. being this guy. I was like, it was like I had a kid and wanted to show it to everyone. I was like, yeah. I had ramen for the first time. And I was like, all right, go to Momofuku. Um, I also wrote down Squid Game because I was one of the Yo, brilliant people that watched that. That was and, my uh, list. Oh, oh was it? 
All right. No, that's good. I'll save it for you. I was going to say, I was one of the trillion continue. people that watched it, and I fucking loved it. Like, I, I want watched more it immediately. It's I like, want more I immediately. Gauge, I can gauge whether or not I want to watch a show by how many memes start popping up mm -hmm. left yep. and right. And, like, for a couple weeks, it was just nothing but Squid Game memes. And I'm like, everybody's fucking talking about this shit. I watched it. Luckily, I didn't even know the dubbed verse subtitles issue that's going on. I just watched it uh, subtitles. Which apparently is the way to watch it, and yeah, it's fucking incredible. Too. So, so it's in it, Korean, and you watch it with subtitles. Yeah, you watch yeah, it with yeah. English subtitles. Yeah. They have that's how English I would dub. They have yeah. an English dubbed one, but they're like the emotions don't match and the voices don't match, and you're like, yeah, watch the fucking the <laughs> exactly. actual version, and you don't even know you're reading subtitles. It's fucking. You know great. what show? You're used I, to it in two minutes. You know yeah. what show I sometimes watch? I sometimes watch with subtitles. Peaky Blinders. They're speaking oh, yeah. English, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. but it's not English. You know, yeah. like, I watch Hardy, pretty much everything with closed captions. I'm like a closed caption guy. I'm not a closed caption guy. It distracts me. I get like uh, I'm I'm like a I'm like an idiot. If I see something shiny, it distracts me. I like ADD. <laughs> I guess I have ADD. But uh, when it when Tom Hardy season of fucking Peaky Blinders, and he's just told like this, and I was like, all right, I have to put on <laughs> subtitles here. I have no idea what's going on. But is Squid Game really that good? Like, I need to watch it still. Big yeah, binge. binge hard. Yeah. yeah, it was really. one of those things that was so, so, so like overhyped that I kind of went into it like Kenny. I was like, I got to understand the memes, so I'm going to check this out. But how good could it be? And I left it being like, oh shit, that was really fucking. Yeah, good. I think I watched like three episodes minimum at a, in a sitting each time because yeah. like they they do that the ending. You're like, wait, well fuck, now I got to watch know, the yeah. next one. Yeah, <laughs> so good. yeah. I uh, I trust your guys' opinion, so I will be watching it. Awesome. Show. Um, my on the list, I told you guys about this before we started. And this is corny. You guys are going to throw up. My wife is on my list. Oh, Dana Budney. That's nice. That's uh, not corny. I love Dana. Dana. Old Dana. She's downstairs recovering, as I am too. Uh, we. We were supposed to go out to dinner last night. My birthday is next week, so uh, but we were going to get together this weekend. We have a bunch of shit next weekend uh, with my parents and my mom, and you know, just have a nice low key night out. Turns out it was a fucking surprise party. Whole squad was there. Great time. Uh, I didn't realize how many Red Bull vodkas I have because that is not a drink of mine. But I was like kind of tired <laughs> towards the end of the night. And I woke up this morning and my heart was literally beating through my fucking chest. Like, I, and I was like, I was doing the math in my head. I'm like, dude, I had like six Red Bulls last night. I was like, I can't believe that I was even awake. Like, I thought I was going to die. But uh, basically the way my night ended was we went to the shittiest bar in Maniok. It's called Castle Rocks. Shouts out Castle Rocks. It looks like a college basement. Uh, my brother-in-law used to work there in college. So we go there. It is like pitch black. They have a fucking shot wheel up on the wall. Like you have to spin with a broom handle and they bring me behind the bar. I, I fell spinning it. Uh, and I landed on flaming butterscotch shots. Ew. It was, it tasted like old dish towel water. It was, it was <laughs> terrible. Oh uh, but I, I threw up in the utility sink in my basement, slept on the couch with my shoes on, woke up at 5 a.m., I had a great time, guys. Sounds hey, like guys. a great Fucking night. Great. Hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, I got the big 3-0 next week, boys. About to join oh, the 30, 30, 30 club, baby. the big one. Okay, yeah. it makes sense. Yeah, got to go all out for the big 3-0. We're going to put a she Venmo link in the fucking chat. <laughs> yeah, and my, my, shit, my shit will get hacked, bro. <laughs> but uh, no, uh, just shout out to my wonderful wife, Dana Budney. You are an angel, and uh, that I was shocked. I had no fucking idea what was going to happen. Robbie, go to your off the list, brother. So interestingly enough, I put two things for my off the list as well. And this is always like so hard for me to come up with things for. I was literally out there with my girlfriend for an hour being like, what did I not like? Really? This week? <laughs> what did I not like? And I was so pacing nice. back and forth. And uh, 
Both of them have to do with Netflix. One of them was something we just talked about. I put English dubs. I think people <laughs> that watch the version of like foreign shows with English dubs, I think yeah. that's ridiculous. Like, yeah. it doesn't line up. It looks like an old Godzilla movie. Yep. And it's just yep. like, the words are right. If you have a third grade reading level, you could that's read right, any yeah. show. So just, it's right there. Watch yeah. it. Um, and the other one, the autoplay. The fact that you can't turn oh, that yeah. shit off yeah. when you're scrolling yeah. through, it Da-dun. infuriates me. Like, <laughs> infuriates me, especially when it's night, you're trying to be quiet or something. So, yeah, I, I hate that my off the lists are shitty, but I really no, don't dislike I like a lot those. of things. Dude, that Netflix thing is so loud. Da-dun! Yeah. At the beginning yeah. of the yeah. show. I thought your off the list was going to be like Tyson Fury's body or something like that. <laughs> Bro. No, oh, no, no, no. By the way, physical condition. What a fight. Yeah. What a fight. What a fight. Yeah. The, the, my off the list could be the guy who sang Deontay Wilder out to the ring was did the worst lip syncing job I've ever seen. <laughs> who was it? Horrendous. I didn't see that. I, I, I don't know. I don't think it was like a famous rapper because he was singing a song about Deontay Wilder. Oh my don't God. I'm glad, lost. I'm glad he lost. Yeah. Uh, Kenny, who was off your list? Uh, off my list this week, very random, something called RTO, otherwise known Request as time off? Return to Office. I have to go back to the office for the first time in like 18 months and only for this week. And then I'm going back to working from home. But I'm like, yo, I didn't even have an office, dude. I thought <laughs> well, you just work from your studio. Well, basically I do. But like Nickelodeon, it's, fo- it's so funny because Nickelodeon has like fucking $10 million recording studios. But I've lived my whole life in recording studios. So all the other engineers are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. When do I get to go in? When do I get to go in? And I'm like, I'm good, yo. Yeah. I don't need to see any of that shit. I've done it a million times. But that's why they like waited for me to the very end. They're like, you ha- I've never even seen the Nickelodeon building. I've worked there that's for like awesome. 18 months. I've never, I don't know where it exists. I mean, I've that'll be it. fun. Come on. Right. Well, that's the thing. It's like, yeah. it's going to be fun. It'll be a good week. But also I'm like, I live in Thousand Oaks, studios in Burbank. That's about an hour and 15 drive. No, no traffic. So LA. So LA right. So I'm like, yo, that sucks. So off my list, RTO, get fucked. It but is. I love, I love you, Nickelodeon. SpongeBob, I said hi if you see yo, him. Yeah, I shall, bro. I see him every <laughs> fucking day, dude. I just picture the guy who does Spongebob comes on. He's just like fucking smoking a ciggy. Yo, he's the singer singer of a blues band that fucking plays all around LA and rips. And like, there's like, there's like 25 people on stage and he's the singer and they fucking rage. He loves music, loves music. They call the chum bucket. What are they called? I don't even fucking, (laughs) I don't even know. But like, he's just one of those guys that's like an encyclopedia of blues music and, and soul music from like, Dad? 50s on. Yeah, His performance yeah. of, of Goofy Goober Rock in the movie yep. was what inspired yep. me to become a musician. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just re- yeah. I've, been I've been recording all of his NFL shit lately. <laughs> so if you guys bro, see SpongeBob I, on NFL, that's me. I was gonna oh, bring shit. this up actually. Like it's funny you say like they have that the huge studios and stuff like that. I've worked with the NFL in the past to do some music for documentaries. And uh, I was so hoping I'd get to go to their Jersey studios because they're apparently like fucking sick. And they were like, nah, just Go wherever you want. We'll reimburse you for the studio time. And I was like, I want to come to you guys. (laughs) Uh, I got two off the list. I'm pulling a Robbie. I got two. Uh, Number one is the many saints of Newark. It fucking sucked a gaggle of dicks. Oh my God. Dude, Dave like had this whole thing this week where he was like, it's the worst movie I've ever seen. And I was like, dude, it can't be that bad. I watched it. It was so fucking atrocious. Kenny, have you seen it yet? Never even heard of it. It's the, the Sopranos movie that just came out. Never watched Sopranos. 
Okay, well, I'm <laughs> going to very return. L.A. of him. Very I didn't yeah, watch yeah, The Sopranos. Yeah. I'm very familiar with The Many Saints of Newark. And, uh, yeah, all of my friends, like Glenny Balls, my yeah. brother, they were all looking forward to it so much. And they all said the exact same thing you're saying right now. They were very disappointed. And I was, like, sad for everyone else. I was like, oh, damn, like, as someone that's such a big Star Wars fan and, like, mm-hmm. all of these things that they always go back to the nostalgic things and bring them back, like, I know how great that could be when they do it right. So the yeah. fact that they didn't do it right it stinks well my second off list is actually kind of attached to that Willy Wonka why the fuck are they making another Willy Wonka movie it's not time yet you know what I mean it's not time well what it is is Hollywood's like is there anything else that we can shove Timothy Chalamet into oh my god let's make him into a prequel fucking Willy Wonka dude we don't it's what I tweeted when I saw Many Saints in Newark I tweeted my, my first thought was why does this exist? Who asked Nobody wants this. this. Yeah, Nobody you might not like prequels. <laughs> Dude, it just doesn't, it's fucking terrible. Why? Why? Yo, the Why Star Wars it? prequels were shit too, so you feel me. I can't think of a good, what's a good prequel? Give me a good prequel. Tell me one. I mean, Rogue One is a prequel. That, that was good. Was no, that was a great one. All right. That's a, that's a really that good one. I love good that one there. There you go. That know. was good. Uh, no, but generally, like, if a story's been told, I don't really care how it started unless I'm like very, very, very attached to it. First off, I don't give a fuck about Willy Wonka, but I just, do I need like two years of hype of like Timothy Chalamet, like in a fucking purple jacket? Like I get he it. He looks like, uh, he looks like he's about to do a Panic at the Disco music video. I tweeted. Thank you. Yes. Like he, he looks look- very Panic at the Disco, which is like not what I want out of my Wonka. No, I, I, what do I you want, want your bright, wife? vibrant Gene Wilder, like you know. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's it's Disney. It's like Disney's like we're gonna do a gritty, like fucking. Yeah, it's like the Cruella. Of Wonka. It's a Cruella, exactly. Yeah. You remember what, what was that fucking? Oh no, I think that was Alice in Wonderland. What was the James Franco Milo Kunis movie? Was that some sort of? Wonka oh, Oz the Great. It was oh, Oz the Great Oz. and Powerful. Yeah, they did Oz. Yeah. Oh, so I was like, yeah, okay, okay, never mind. Also, horrible. they did they they did a Snow White one that was pretty bad. I remember they were they made it gritty Snow White and the Huntsman, and I was just like, what <laughs> are gritty, we doing? <laughs> we're doing a gritty Snow White. Like, get the yeah. fuck out of here, cuz. Yeah. Like, stop. Oh my god. Yeah. So that's off my list. I get very passionate about terrible movies. I'm with you on that because like the the original Willy Wonka also holds up so well to this day. You could watch it, and every beat hits the same as it did back then. Also, Gene Wilder is just the fucking man. Leave Gene Wilder alone. He's the fucking man. Uh, Yeah, so that's on the list, off the list. Uh, Let's wrap this episode up with some what the fuck we've been listening to. Kenny, why don't you kick this one off? Uh, Okay, so I... Sarah brought up... My wife brought this up. She loves to give us ideas for on the guest list, which actually she's been doing a great job. She's She's a monster. She's like, for one of your green room picks, you should do albums that you can listen to start to finish and i was like that's a great one and she happened to be listening to this record uh by a band called bare hands called you'll pay for this one of my favorite bands of all time toured with them a lot from like 2010 to 2013 like back in the day playing like 150 caps 300 caps dylan rao is one of the most special fucking people in the entire world all of their records are good but you'll pay for this is like front to back their masterpiece unbelievable i'm such a fan bare hands they're the most underrated underappreciated undiscovered band that should be huge in my opinion bare hands first off that's a great pick because i do love that band uh but also great pick by sarah because that's a good green room picks because we'll get it dude i have one that comes right to the top robbie i'm sure you have a couple that you think right off the top of your head like who would be your one where it's like i put the disc in and i don't change it 
for me, it's like all time low and nothing personal is like the album that I completely grew up with, learned how to play bass to like that still for me is like the album. So like mm. I would go all time low and nothing there's, personal. There's so many. We'll have to do like, yeah, there, three, I mean, yeah, there, there are albums. a billion. But yeah, three albums that you can go through start to finish. We'll Bro, I, I have one that I did today, actually. Uh, I was at the gym, and this is a very weird gym album. Uh, Modern Vampires of the City by Vampire Weekend. Oh, yeah. I Because that's mostly Rostam, who is the guy who left the band. It's so minimalistic, and it's got this very, very weird fucking barren yet very big sound. And that album, I just go front to back. Kenny, I don't see you as a Vampire Weekend guy for some reason. No, I actually am. I'm not a huge, like, I don't I haven't downloaded any of their full albums, but a lot of the singles are great. And sometimes you'll hear a song on a TV show or a movie that you're like, what the fuck is this? And it's Vampire Weekend Deep Cut. And you're like, yep. fuck, that's sick. Yeah, I have big respect for them. Bro, that whole album is, has deep cuts because it has, like, Unbelievers, uh, which is, like, the big single off that record. Look up the song Hannah Hunt. I know that one. I fucking love that so goddamn good. song. So good. So yeah. fucking good. Um, but, yeah, Fucking good pick, Kenny. Robbie, what the fuck have you been listening to? Um, I was lucky enough to see Chris Stapleton for the second time this week. Um, it was at MSG on Monday. So I have been listening to almost nothing but Chris Stapleton before that concert, after that concert. Oh, my God. He tore it down. Marcus King Band opened up for him, tore it down before him. So I've been listening to a lot of Marcus King as well. Um, yesterday, I listened to John Lennon because it was John Lennon's birthday. So I could have thrown a, hey, Mark David Chapman off my list you know what? <laughs> get out of here Jesus um, but Christ. yeah no it's been a lot of chris stapleton and marcus king for me it's quality shit robbie it's yeah. very quality shit marcus king is one of the like most He's underrated so musicians goddamn big time face doesn't match the voice guy no big not time at all face, not has, at all he has a baby face and he sounds like he, he could have been like right out of stacks in the 60s bro He's yeah. a monster. <laughs> yeah uh, both both good picks dude uh I went with Amos Lee. I don't know if you guys know Amos Lee. Uh, from Philadelphia. Very interesting story. He was actually in his 30s teaching at a Philadelphia public school and then decided to stop playing open mics and give music a full-time try. And he he's just like a fucking like, AAA radio darling, just an amazing musician, amazing songwriter. Uh, he just put out a, a new AB single called uh, Should Have Known Better. And this motherfucker... It's like one of the most well-produced songs I've heard in a while. He just has the, he, he could sing the phone book. I don't give a shit. It would sound great. Amos Lee, if you don't know Amos Lee, dive in, dude. He, he's a fucking monster. I love him to death. Shout out to my city. Shout out Amos Lee. That's my pick for what the fuck I've been listening to. Um, I, I, Kenny, I don't know how you feel about this. Have you been listening to more music or less music recently? We had that conversation last week about how we were both pretty uninspired and been finding some new shit. No, I've actually been listening to a lot of music recently always on the hunt for good stuff um let's see the last thing i found ha yo the last thing i found which wasn't a find it was just dropped in my fucking face is dad vibes by limp biscuit yeah it is fucking oh. tight yo la di da fucking so <laughs> sick bro he's back shout out to uh, zach servini produced that sag in the back with the drip come on dude it's so good i know servini fucking shred i actually been meaning to hit up servini see if he wants to come on here we have the availability. Let's make it happen. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Fuck, Dude, I like that a lot. And I saw people being like, oh my God, the lyrics are so corny. And it's like, 
Yeah, that's what Limp Biscuit is. That's, that's what they've so always good, been. Though, dude, like, that's what... in the back with the drip, la di da. <laughs> it's great. You just don't know art. Yeah. Fuck you, <laughs> yeah. bro. I went back in like a nice '90s R&B bag the other day. Anthony Hamilton, one of the most underrated voices that everyone knows, couldn't put a name to a face. Anthony Hamilton's first record is fucking incredible. Coming from where I'm from, uh, and then I've been into Against Me the past week. Love uh, Against Me, yeah. dude, for fucking a lot of years. Shouts out, well. Large, uh, Jane Grace is her is her yeah, name now. Uh-huh, Dude, uh-huh. Fucking amazing songwriter. Great thrash unreal will always be like one of my finds from grade school. Being like, this is that shit, dude. God damn. Yo, and speaking in that world too, my buddy Max from Eve Six. He's he's been blowing up on Twitter because of his fucking stupid ass personality. But he did a uh, sound system op Ivy cover with We Are the Union, which is like. Crazy because I've been listening to, I opened for We Are The Union when I was like 17 years old in Orlando, Florida, like fucking 20 years ago. And now all of a sudden my buddy Max is doing an Op Ivy, another one of my favorite bands, cover of Sound System. It's really good. I think everybody should check that out. Bro, that is definitely, Robbie, we've had this conversation on the podcast recently where uh, me and Kenny and Dante are going to go through the weirdest bands that we've opened for. Oh, wow. I want to, Kenny, who would you say the weirdest mix for you opening for someone was? There was this one band. <laughs> you remember that Godier song that got real big? And you did it. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody used There to was like a yeah. YouTube video that that was like Walk Off the Earth? Of, was that who it was like five yeah, people around there playing yeah, it? Yeah. Playing the- they opened for us one time and like we're a, literally our our band AWOL Nation was a screaming heavy strobe lights like brutal kind of hardcore show and we were watching them open we're like what the fuck is happening right now? <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? Like, boo. <laughs> Dude, we, we opened one time. So it was at this like really cool spot in Philly called World Cafe Live. And we were, we had, we were like right out of college. We were still pretty like brand new. And uh, we got an email from Third Man Records. They had this band called The Smoke yes. Fairies. It's like a three-piece British, like ethereal, like female-fronted band. And we were like, from Jack White's people, anything. We'll do whatever you want. We open, and there's like six of us up there just fucking raging, and they come up. I swear to God, I thought I was in a forest. Like, I thought I was like, and I literally could tell the crowd was like, why the fuck did they open for this band? Like, I have so many. Dude, we talked about um, opening for fucking Saving Abel. That was the worst experience of my life, and the grossest people that I've ever been around in my entire life was opening for Saving Abel in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Um, And then my worst opening experience, I don't fear this anymore, like, talking about this openly, because I kind of know some people that know this band. Better than Ezra were the biggest jerk offs I've ever opened for ever. Sick. <laughs> oh wow. Better than Ezra thought that they were the Rolling Stones, like legitimately. <laughs> I jumped off the drum kit and blew them a kiss when I was done. I didn't even give a fuck. I we, we <laughs> smashed them, and they dude they did like nine covers during their set. I was like, whoa, I, hey, 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 let's not okay. cover bands, Robbie. <laughs> Robbie, but, but do you have like two platinum hits from the nineties? No. No. They they did like three different gorillas covers and we were there like in the back, like in the out of the green room watching it going like what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like, bunch of my brother, uh, my brother toured the country a few times with this band called Ours, and the band before he had joined opened for Marilyn Manson in like peak nineties. And the singer had told my brother, like that was not only the worst experience as a band, but like of his life, because they would get on stage and get batteries thrown at them and get like pieces of metal that people had snuck in and bars and like 
bring mats and, and they're like he fucking he wanted us up here he i swear us, yeah like we're on his side yeah oh but God. yeah marilyn manson in the 90s seems like he would not be fun to open for i think marilyn manson in the 2020s seems like he wouldn't be that much fun <laughs> yo don't make me like him you know what i mean <laughs> uh, no we we disavow that guy he's out yo he's off the list um, all right, yeah, so that's uh, that's this week's episode of On the Guest List. Shouts out to J- uh, David Basin. Shouts out to Dave and Dante for doing their thing. Shouts out to Robbie Fox. And before we get out of here, Robbie, please elaborate on Nebworth. So, yeah, this is crazy. This is kind of like, I, it's not only the, the movie, but I feel like it's music news of the week in a way, too, because Liam Gallagher put Nebworth tickets on sale and said, fuck it. If Noel's not coming with me, I'm going without him. And everyone's saying we should do this thing. It's 25 years since Oasis played two shows back to back nights, 250,000 people. And he said, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to want to play this again. I don't think the cap is what it used to be. I don't think it'll be 125,000 a night. I think they said it's anywhere from 80 to 100. But he put oh, one it. date on sale, and I saw so many people being like, there's just no way he comes close to selling this out. That's why he put it on sale so early, because it's for June. And he fucking sold out two nights in 36 hours, Jesus. which is outrageous. So there's going to be at least 160,000 people gathered on a field, myself being one of them, I guarantee you. Uh, and Dante already texted me. He might be one of them as well. So it might be Robbie and Dante take the UK for these shows. And yeah. uh, I can't wait. It's going to be my first time seeing him. But it comes off the heels of this documentary, of course, which they just put out about the original shows. It was in theaters for one night only in the US or two nights, I guess. And I think for a week in the UK, highest grossing documentary of the year like that. So there is this weird revival of Oasis fans going on in 2021 where this band still has some kind of uh, buzz and some kind of notoriety about them where we're still talking about the music they made, still Give talking the about the crazy gigs. What they, what they want. Give yeah. them people what about. they want. I want Liam and I want Nolan. I want you so to fight on stage like, on. and end the show early and walk the fuck off. I'll pay for that. Yes. I, oh I my God. It, yeah. Yeah. I hope yeah. it ends. Can you imagine the scenes if Noel walked on stage? Holy yes, fuck. Dude. I would, oh I, I would die right in that field in Network. I would have a heart attack and ascend to the heavens and be happy with my life. <laughs> I hope that Noel does show up and the whole Whole show ends with a celebrity death match, and then they, they <laughs> one of Just them Jake Paul, lowers onto the Jake stage. Paul yeah. comes out to fight both of them. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Uh, but well, the movie was amazing. It's gonna be uh, you'll be able to watch it next month, November nineteenth. I think it comes out on streaming and all that. Um, they go through both nights. They have uh, it's narrated by like a dozen fans that were there. So oh. every now and then you'll get Noel and Bonehead and Liam chimes in for one little thing at the end. But it's mostly like the people that had traveled there and their experiences and what it was like trying to buy tickets. I mean, 4% of the British population applied for tickets the day they went on sale. And the only way to get them was to like call by, you know, dial up your landline and wait on the queue. So it was like, it, it was just a crazy time and there were no cell phones. They say it was like, you know, the last great gathering in the 90s without everyone holding up a cell phone to try to take pictures. Everyone was just so yeah. in the moment. So and the, definitely, if you're a music fan, like very worth checking out the documentary when it comes out because it was such a moment. It was one of the biggest concerts of the 90s. And the coolest part is if you like look at those guys, like you don't look at them as they don't look like rock stars. Well, Liam no. does because of his persona. Yeah, Liam, Liam, but they look like just like a gang of people from Manchester. Yeah, they look like they're not yeah, flashy yeah. on stage. They just stand there. They you look know? like four or five dudes that should be in a corner bar at like 1 p.m. watching Manchester United. In a fucking yes. pub, pub <laughs> yeah, down the in street. A pub. In a uh, pub. It's going to be mental. Uh, no, but dude, I can't wait to check it out. And I've had a revival of like a like uh, uh, 
diving into the Oasis pool. God damn it. They're so fucking they're so good. good. The B-sides, the B-sides, the catalog goes so deep. And when I, when I was there, as I was walking out, I heard two people in front of me, I swear to God, talking in accents. And I'm like, oh shit, they're fucking from the UK over here, the Oasis fans. And I start listening and eavesdropping on them. And they were there. They were at Nebworth and they were oh, talking about how what? cool the documentary was. And they, they were talking about, oh, when it started raining, we were under the tree with the knapsacks trying to gather. And I was just like, oh, fuck, that must have been some experience for them to watch that movie. And 25 years later, see all that footage restored. Dude, that's so fucking awesome. Yeah. This is why we bring Robbie on. I love this. this <laughs> well, we know we're going to have Robbie back soon. We got to do an album breakdown. He's always welcome. He's here every once in a while. So we're happy to have Robbie back. Kenny, I love you. Eat shit. I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, from Dave and Dante as they are out here, you know, fighting people and running marathons. We say we love you. Fuck you. Kenny, eat shit. Robbie, I love you. <laughs> I love you guys. <laughs>